Welcome to Spice World, an inebriated exploration of Frank Herbert's Dune Messiah. My name is Derek. And my name is Mike. With each chapter, we open up a bottle of wine and have a bit of a buzzed book club here, Derek. Uh, and Mike, you know, we have such a multi-layered discussion every week. I decided to go with a layer cake wine. I think we've done a layer cake before. I don't know if it was a Melbeck or if it was a Pinot Noir. Looking back, I didn't actually find one in our notes. Uh, I kept our list of the wines that we dipped into. Didn't see a layer cake in there, Mike. Really? But nonetheless, we have a Malbec, uh, and this is from the best regions of Earth. Richly layered wines. Hey, ooh. Uh, but they uh, listen to a bunch of flavors, and I love that they throw in a Flint as a wine. I'm just like, Flint? <laughs> I, I wouldn't brag about that, but. Uh, we yeah. didn't have anything else. <laughs> whatever Flint's about, whatever bakes your cake. <laughs> I love it. Delicious. Let's head right in, though, Mike. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah, because, look, look, dude, we're on chapter three. We have a Farouk. We have a side-tailed chapter that we're going into. Yep. These are big things in our uh, kind of hierarchy of what we're looking forward to. But we got this quote in the beginning. And this quote I thought was kind of humorous, where it's just sort of reminding you of the Lays Gun Shield and otherwise <laughs> disregard everything except for the last, like, sentence I mean, here. yeah, really. But I think that's just to put it in perspective or, like, why would he bring up that last sentence if he doesn't, like, preface it with this? If Yeah, I, you're so totally I, right. Yeah. Of, like, we're juxtaposing the two dangers here. You think this is dangerous? I think this is dangerous, making people that have these unlimited potentials. Men, Ted. Benny Gesserit. Yeah, well, I was going to ask you, what is he talking about then, Mike? I think he's talking about the Benny Gesserit. Okay. And meaning him? I mean, not. I mean, like, yes, him. I don't know if he's using him as a, a, a frame of, like, reference in this. Mm. I think he's more referring to the fact that, like, we already know he doesn't like the Benny Gesserit. Definitely. They've had a... Not a great impact on his future in life. And he's sort of seen, I think, the possibility of what could happen with him if they ever got a hold of him. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or like what their plan was or whatever they wanted. I think he saw that path. Right. And was like, and not, just like, not going not down happening. that road. Yeah. We'll just erase those from the whiteboard. <laughs> yeah, he really did. Their whole plan. Years and years of work. To the point where like even his mother is just like, mm-mm, not going to fly. Now, he does say, though, a few powers are developing. So this means there's someone... Do you someone, think more is happening? It's got to be greater than just the Bene Gesserit. And I think the obvious other group to me is the Bene Gesserit. Yeah, especially, I mean, in this chapter, we've got the Face Dancer Supreme. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and you could also maybe take in uh, Paul in a way, like fashion the Fremen to be a force of humanity that was unleashed, right? That's that was like true. A, That was like a refined human being, a human weapon. Uh, so I think he's... Acknowledging all these kind of characters and actors mm -hmm. in the universe. Uh, also, I mean, we talk about uh, distrans here. Like, information is power in combat and warfare. Mm -hmm. Like, a human distrans is kind of about as fucked up as it gets as far as, like... Yeah, I like human that. weapons. I was glad we finally got there. So we touched on that way back when we yeah, first talked about distrans. I was so curious, but yeah... Yeah, now you're and seeing Paul that color. Does it. It's yeah, it's already here. It happened in this transition. Like, Paul is pretty much the one who brought it mainstream. Uh, it was definitely already around before. Uh, is there anything else you want to pull from that quote? Uh, obviously, it's interesting that it's to the War College, uh, mm -hmm. and it's from the Stilgar Chronicle. So this is something that Stilgar is writing down, or at least from yeah. his point of view, he was there or something. Oh, yeah, he was definitely. He's always at the War College. Uh, uh, you know, <laughs> up. He loves that. <laughs> The prophet's going to speak. 
Ah, he is a creature. God, it kills me. Stilgar, I'm so sad about that. But uh, the fact that the guild and Landsrad contain keys which hold this force in check. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you can't travel, you're not going to be launching nukes. Yeah, and so I just wanted to point out, that is referring to the first half of the sentence right. being, like, just talking about nuclear it's uh, like, proliferation. We have all these weapons. They can destroy anything and everything. We have, like, our failsafe, like, you know, double keys to prevent this from happening. Mm-hmm. You know, one key being for the Landsrad, one being for the... Spacing Guild, you can't really go anywhere if you don't have access to both of them. You need power and money to get the nukes and hold them. You need the Spacing Guild to get you where you need to go. Even they, I don't think, are silly enough to be like, sure, you can nuke this planet. I, I think you're, I kind of get what you're saying. I think you're a little off in your metaphor. With the, okay. the, the two keys, when you turn those originally, like that's how you activate and shoot the bomb. The rip, um, what the guild and Landsrad are holding back, though, the guild is the transportation of the nuke. Yeah. Which I can see you can get around that. But the threat of the Landsrad is only after you've detonated a nuke. True, true, the, true. The point of the Landsrad is that everyone will join up against you right. should you get all the way there for it. But I mean, like, yeah. it is like, yeah, these are the only two things. It's like, one, it's difficult to get the guild to transport your nuke. And then two, if you do get through all the you, trouble and you've detonated it, you don't it, see the metaphor the of Landsrad. the twin keys on that? No, I do. I just think, but like when you turn the keys, that's to detonate the nuke. And no, I just I, mean that the Lance Rad is only going to react if you've already crossed the line. Yeah, no, no. I'm just saying though, like the keys to using it, the two keys that like are being held are by these two powers. By these I two. like the idea that like it's representative of that. Yeah. I feel like it's kind of silly not to like look at that metaphor. To visualize it it's, like kind yeah, of Yeah, it's way. not a one-to-one. No, never, never is, never is. Uh, and with that, you gonna maybe we move on? Oh no, I mean just the fact that uh those are the powers that we have to govern and like keep us from like uh destroying one another. Mm-hmm. Guilt and land. Can't manage humans though. Humans are always gonna slip through the radar. Wait, what what do you mean? We're comparing uh human weapons and nuclear weapons, we have precautions against nuclear weapons in this. Like, that's why we don't have them. Oh, yeah, yeah. But human weapons, you can't, like, uh, it's like uh, if someone had, like, a gun completely made out of plastic going through the airport, you're not going to be able to, like, scan that. Or if somebody had the voice. Or the voice. Exactly. That's exactly why the Fremen wanted it. If someone could change their appearance at will, who knows? Uh, The point being, like, that's the danger. Right, right. And Paul's just telling us, like. And this is just the beginning, too. Like, who I mean, he of all people would know, like, I know where we're going, and things are going to get really weird. Yep, yep. and uh, I think with any great science that's changing, so we're seeing this development of this new field, no one will listen to him, right? Yeah. That's pretty much how humanity <laughs> rolls. Like, yeah, I'm sure he's overreacting to something. This can't be that bad. Jesus. Really? When the emperor says that, you wouldn't be like, hmm. Oh, I, I'm just speaking hyperbolically. I'm also, just like saying, war college is this? I don't know, right? Fre- <laughs> I assume Fremen. It's got to be. It? No. Or, what do you mean? You think the Fremen go to college? War college? Probably. I think they go to war There's college. War and I'll be there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Although, I don't no, know. It's I, not all about the fighting for the Fremen. We learned in this chapter. No, I mean, they had a really a thorough education system. That's true. Their whole way through. That is true. Like, yeah, yeah, no, I totally think. I think this is whatever uh, the emperor's, like, military is. And since we know it's mainly Fremen, like, 
Yeah, that I think it's more sense. your your Bashars like uh and it gives on. us just digging into like the Fremen people, like we're gonna meet uh Farouk as a Bashar now. Like yeah. these these aren't just like barbarians, you know, these are very experienced people that have mm-hmm. like lived a very thorough life. Like they're gonna have things to say. They are all philosophers in their own right. Think of how Farouk's Farouk's fighting style had to have been sweeping based. <laughs> Holy <laughs> based on his life work. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Always went for the legs. A clean battlefield every, is a good battlefield. Every man I killed was on the flat of his back. Exactly. <laughs> it's something Farouk would know. <laughs> but. Gonna give me one last hurrah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, it hurts. Yeah, so I, I don't know about the War College in particular. That's really cool, though. Right, let's leave it behind. Let's dive in, because we need to join Saitao on the streets of Arakeen. And we've come down, Mike, and we're at the end. We're in a cul-de-sac. Mm-hmm. And he's not too happy about being left outside right now. But we're meeting. It's cold. It is, it's very cold. <laughs> I also was like, Mike, it's uh, another Saitao chapter. Take that, Piter. Oh. Uh, just like you follow, know, following his footsteps. I love Piter. He'll always be my first Derek. Yeah, true. But uh, a Saitel, I'm really liking Saitel. Saitel maybe you take Saitel home to mom. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know what you're saying, Mike. <laughs> no, Saitel, he's so much more devious than Piter because he doesn't have someone like holding him under his thumb, right? Yeah. Like there's definitely someone back at whatever, you know, on the planet Thalem, that only planet that the And it's not a matter have, of like but... Piter wants power. Saitel has power. Yeah, Saitel's exercising. Yeah. I, do, I really don't know what Saitel wants personally. We know he he wants Paul like under his thumb, but mm-hmm. like that seems to be for his organization, right? Yeah, or at least as far as we know. I I, mean, I don't know what else we could really pull for. Him. I don't know. I mean, maybe for his organization, there might be more to it, though. I mean, obviously, he says that he kind of like laments the fact that he's going to be doing this to Paul because he does feel something for Paul, some sort of kinship in a way. It's weird. Well, that was only in uh, comparison to the other conspirators. That's true. To, to be fair. He said, like, I, I, I relate more to Paul than any than the Fishman, right, right. the Bene Gesserit witches. <laughs> and, and the haughty princess. Yeah, I think that was all that was really there. So, like, that's not a huge stretch. Yeah, that's but, fair. That's fair. But he did, yeah, there's something about it's, Paul it's that It's no Fenring. No. Oh. Where is Fenring? Where I know where. If we could bring all of our favorite people together, Mike, but he's not. He's not that kind of an author. He's not going to do that for us. <laughs> Damn you, Frank. Fenring's. He's pretty much. <laughs> he's out of the picture. I think for the most part. Oh, okay. Uh, we really only get those illusions in that first book. <laughs> uh, but continuing with that, we got a side tale. We're uh, we're meeting a Fremen, and uh, this Fremen's already in the doorway before us. Yeah. He's doing a flex. Because he isn't wearing no still suit. He's got his door wide open. Moisture just, just pouring out. out. That's very, like, anti-Fremen. 12 years, lot changed. A lot has changed, because that's going to be Farouk, for sure. And this Fremen is also part of our conspiracy. Do you think he's at the front door sweeping the... <laughs> <laughs> just for old times. Uh, at this point, before you knew it was Farouk, who did you think we were meeting here? Did you have any idea? I had no idea. Just didn't, like, Until they said the bloom bloom, just like, oh, it's a Fremen. That's like, and it was a Fremen. Like, yeah, yeah I got that. Just building up. Yeah, for, it. for sure. Uh, we can hear Samuta music coming from within the house. Yeah, Samuta music. So right. I know personally that Samuta yeah. music that's got to be the balisette because that's the number one instrument used during Samuta music. Okay, I, I was going to say, but you also know that means someone's using drugs inside this house. Yeah. 
And like Sightail cues into that, but also notes that this Fremen is not the drug user. This guy at the door is pretty upright. All yeah, yeah, his awareness yeah. about him, like it's not for him that this music. Someone else is chipping balls. Mm-hmm. And Sightail, he came here with a certain face. Whose face is he wearing, Mike? Duncan Idaho. Yep. That dark haired goat of a man. <laughs> Our previous name uh, in, uh, was it uh, Farouk's name game? I can never remember. No, Hendrix's etymology. Hendrix, that's it. Oh, why do I forget that? Um, but yeah, so he's wearing Duncan's face, and I love that he's having this thought right now of like, oh, is this too ballsy of an approach? Like, <laughs> like I know he met him. Is he gonna remember this? Well, Maybe even I that, have done this. It's not even just for Farouk, but also like other Fremen in the, this cul-de-sac is all like jihadi Fremen. Right, like right, these right. are old. CH Everyone men. would remember this. I, think, I love that he's like standing in the street and just like, should I change? I should change. Ah, oh, that might be too late to change. Oh, oh but I'm already here. Oh, he's waiting. Ah. Oh. It's really, it's, I know, very human. Yeah. We can, we've all been there. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, and this is where he like, references like being at the end of this cul de sac. Uh, it's all jihad veterans, it's all walled in. And on these walls, at one point, there's even graffiti scrawled along. Do you have that actually a good the line of what the graffiti says? It's like oh. a, uh, some Fremen brought back some STDs, I believe, a Barris. Oh, yeah, this is like uh, some man coming back without his manhood. Without his manhood is what it even says. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So just that scrawl, then like, this is a pretty up end neighborhood. Like, this is a high class area. So. <laughs> Poor Barris. High class. <laughs> Definitely a Fremen we didn't meet. I would have remembered that name. Yep. Now, uh, this Fremen continues to make Sightail wait. Sightail is wondering, like, why? Is there some reason for this? Which I'm like that he's even able to keep that uh, kind of bearing. of like, maybe this is for the greater good of our plot. And he's looking around, and he kind of looks at the building next door. Like, is it his neighbor that bothers him? Sightail knows that Otham has been assigned to that house. And it's not just Otham that's residing there. There's also Bajaz, the catalyst dwarf. Bajaz? Yeah. What does that even mean, catalyst dwarf? You tell me, Mike. You got to take a swing at this one. This is a uh, a Frank Herbert mystery for you. I don't even know. That's a fucking weird one. Catalyst dwarf. That he just throws that out there. And then Frank's like, and by the way, I'm not going to give you a glossary. <laughs> no! <laughs> My yeah. games. Well, certainly, I mean, you know what a dwarf is. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a little person. And a catalyst is going to be, you know, something that causes some chain reaction of some sort. It, is, it so, uh, is it someone related to Otham? No, it's not related to Otham. It's just residing with Otham. Oh. It's part of the conspiracy. I can tell you that much. But. Oh, so the catalyst dwarf, meaning that, like, Bajaz is going to be part, he's going to be the trigger on something here. Of something. Now, we have a Ooh. lot of moving pieces this chapter. And it it seems that, uh, to my best bet, Saitail is the one who knows the most about the pieces in play, right? That every, mm-hmm. the Bene Gesserit have going, the Guild has going, the Fremen have going. Because he's coming here. He knows that Otham is also somehow part of this, because that dwarf is there. Right. Farouk doesn't know this. He's wondering if Farouk is nervous about Otham being here for reasons we're going to find out having to do with Otham's daughter that Otham doesn't know about. Yeah. You know? And, like, some, re- some really sketchy fucking shit. I, yeah, I don't know who's pulling what string just yet. Um, so, we'll leave that dwarf aside for right now. We will meet this dwarf later on. Mm. 
he is super fun. Uh, and finally, we get introductions aside, and we get to move in. And uh, Sightail introduces himself as Zal. Z-A-A-L. Mm. Good space name. Good space name. Assigned to him for this mission. And we get the best introduction of I am Farouk. When oh. I heard that, I was yeah. just like, <gasps> breath go out. Do you want to read his full title? Once Bashar of the Ninth Legion in the Jihad. Does this mean anything to you? And Sidetail, this menace in his oh. words. Like, yes, that's how far our Farouk has risen. So I'm like, that's why I want a you Bashar. to get... A Bashar. A Bashar. He, not, made, he of commanded a legion. Of a legion. Woo. Also, we had over nine legions. Definitely. Well, and I think, I think the higher up, though, like you want... Like Stilgar, probably first legion. Probably. I would hope. Uh, Otham was probably in the first first ten, at least. I'm glad Farouk made top ten. Yeah. I, and that's, that's definitely what we get up for. That's where the color comes for. You wanted to have it under, like, one digit. I yeah, think yeah. even that zero through nine, maybe. That's probably just, like a prime. He barely skirted in. It was that extra squeeping early on that got him in there. Sort of like you just swept him right into the rug. Uh, <laughs> but I love it. And uh, what Sightail gets out of this is it means... He was born in Siege Tabar with allegiance to Stilgar. Oh. That's who he has pledged allegiance to. He never bowed down to a duke. This isn't his emperor. He oh, is. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the last Fremen leader he's but ever like, had. Stilgar bent down to him. So, like, where does that leave Rook? Well, Mike, uh, transitive property of Fremen allegiance <laughs> is a very touchy, touchy <laughs> thing. But I think the point is, is that Paul is clearly not a Fremen. Right. Some people Which have been... Which is so sad because, like, when uh, Farouk was the one to welcome to C.H. Tabar initially, he was the first one to welcome him in. I, we're going to get to the line, though, that I think I can show you exactly why and where it changed for sure, him. Sure, yeah. And what, what broke him from this. Uh, but, yeah, there's a lot of, like, we're seeing the change between how f- Paul was welcomed as a child into that C.H. As the Mahdi and where we are 12 years later is a stark difference. Yeah, that's true. Um, now, we move through an opulent house, and we go into a covered courtyard, which has, like, this crystal dome to the top. Jesus, that, Rook. Yeah, he spent some money. Bashar gets you some cash. <laughs> and uh, the filters turn, like, any light into, like, it's, like, um, it's sort of like first moon is just happening. Like, oh. everything is just that silvery glow when that moon with the mouse sigil comes up in the sky. Does he really want the mouse moon to be the one, then? Uh, I mean, first moon must give you more light than second moon ever does. I think it's more that. Oh, uh, yeah. It's not Moonlight. showing him them out. It's just making this place kind of glow and like a very, I imagine like a very, uh, when we came into Tuano Basin that first night, I think this is what we're always kind of having recreated. Gotcha, with like the moon frosted rocks. Yeah, yeah, in this little garden kind of nook. And uh, oh, that's oh, that makes a lot of sense too, because that's got to really remind you of being out in the desert, because you only like travel and walk during the night. Yeah, precisely. Oh, and especially at that time, it seemed like everything we did that was important and significant to the Fremen was always at first moon. Mm-hmm. You know, that's when the spirits go on and this and that. And we learned that Farouk, he longs for the Siege days. And he kind of condemns his own surroundings, like this wealth and this opulence. Like, I just want to be in a stone yali. I, yeah. uh, you know, all these things have lost, uh, been lost to me. And Farouk also does not like his visitor. Uh, he struggled with an intense dislike for his visitor, Sightail realized. Fremen distrusted eyes that were not of the total blue of the Abad. 
off-worlders, Fremen said, had unfocused eyes, which saw things they were not supposed to see. That was a bit of our excerpt from last week there. And I love that bit. So eyes are, have been super important for us. This isn't the first time we've been entertained to this notion, right? This mm-hmm. is going to be a theme to the whole book of what you can see and how things affect what you can see and the uh, paradigm of your vision, so to speak. Uh, but I love that hey, off-worlders just had a way of seeing things they weren't supposed to see. The only time we ever used that phrasing last time was when we had to kill someone for seeing a worm or for seeing a Chris knife. Yeah. <laughs> but now it's way also, more poetic. Also, it's common knowledge, I think, that like they use the worms. Definitely, at this point. Yeah. I mean, it was breaking news uh, for several weeks. Is there something else you had for that? No, just I was uh, reading this because like we don't get a glossary, so reading some of the new things, one worm could carry us into Kadam, the inner desert. Yeah, interesting. If like Frank, he chose not to put a glossary because there's certainly enough words I've come across that I'm like, oh, I could use a definition for that. It would have been really nice. Yeah, but I think he wants you to get to the... All these will have more context definition to them than we had in Dune. For like a lot, all the Fremen words were just like, good luck. Uh-huh, yeah. You better flip to it. We will. So like uh, we mentioned a stone burger late in this chapter. We're going to get more examples of that and sort of uh, expound upon what a stone burner actually is. So stuff like that. I do think it's cool. But what we have on here. Yeah. We're some it's work. We've gotten the world building out of the way. We mm-hmm. can just enjoy like the culture and these people and the implications of uh, how they intertwine together. Now. As they enter Mike, the uh, as they enter the courtyard rather, the Samuta music stops and it's replaced with the strum of a balisette. Now, it is not Gurney Halleck as we I really I thought it was going to be. I that's really why did. I chose that one, obviously. <laughs> of like a balisette, it just gets hit. You're like, who who else would be chilling with Farouk? Yeah. That's a good connection, but no, it's it, not. Oh man. Uh can you tell me though what is a nine scale chord? Oh. Because that's what it says it strums first. It's a nine-scale chord and then a song from the Norwich Worlds, and I figured that'd be something right up your alley. So nine-scale chord. Nine-scale chord. That's so weird because, like, there are ninth chords, mm-hmm. which is usually, oh, like... Wait, wait, wait. Is it something specific to, like, the, how the battle set was constructed? Well, then probably because we know it's a nine-string it? instrument, so I'm yeah, wondering yeah. if it's nine separate notes. And that's your nine scale, maybe. Okay. Because a ninth chord is technically five notes. So maybe this is nine notes? Oh. I don't know. I li- so is this like the difference between like binary computing and quantum computing? Where you can just fit that many more options into like I the mean, one? Uh, maybe. Or terrible this metaphor. Is, this is also assuming that we still have a standard like 12 note scale. Yeah, which you might, you might not. Yeah. I feel like that's gotta be a ninth chord okay but he's just like he's just calling it a ninth scale i don't know how much frank herbert knew about music (laughs) like he definitely confounded you nonetheless yeah it's like he's almost there but i don't quite understand what the fuck you mean space well let's leave that and uh because we continue on mike with a song from the mirage world and this maybe i was like wait 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 didn't we lose a tooth at Naraj? <gasps> Holy shit! Are you? That's right. No, we tumble. Oh. There was a tumble at Narcom, Mike. Uh, so far <laughs> from Naraj, that's not even the same thing. 
You had me. I know. You absolutely had me for a second there. I was excited for about 30 seconds as I, as I searched through the novel. I'd be like, oh, wait, was that the world? But no, that would have been a cool holler back. That would have been really good. Yeah. Not in there, though. Oh. So I don't know what's significant about Naraj. I think we're just naming worlds to kind of right. flesh out the universe a little bit. We're going to get Molotar thrown out there as well. Again, glossary would have been awesome, Frank. <laughs> it would have been really handy. Did, did you need to have the glossary to get into analog? Was that the thing? That was your <laughs> that, that, the first book? Like, what the fuck? Maybe it's like he, they required him to do it. It's like, it, we, it was extra work. It was just like the movie. It's like, uh, Frank, we don't know what the fuck you're talking about here. Could you just uh, give us a... <laughs> but by the second book, it's like... For signing this book, I'm not doing a glossary. <laughs> I think he did out of spite. Frank, Frank's not doing glossary. <laughs> I'm a one glossary guy. Now, Sightail, he looks over, and uh, this music is actually coming from a youth in the corner. A youth with no eyes. Dun, dun, Whoa. dun. Because he turns to look at him, and his eyes are just empty sockets. Damn, son. And he's singing a certain song, Mike. And this song, it is something from our world. Do you know where it comes from? Uh, wait, he's no. playing a battle set. Something oh from the Dune world or from like Earth? from our world, our oh. our universe. Our it's a little poem goes out. A wind has blown the land away and blown the sky away and all the mend. Who is this wind? The trees stand unbent, drinking where men drank. I've known too many worlds, too many men, too many trees, too many winds. I don't actually know this. This is E.E. E. Cummings, uh, and he actually oh. wrote a poem called A Wind Has Blown the Rain Away and Blown. Wow. So I went dipping through. So he does change some of the um, lines to it, but basically that whole opening line where obviously a wind has blown the land away. is Not straight afraid, from it. afraid to just rip that nope. right out. But uh, I went searching for like somebody's summary of the poem to be like, what is the meaning of this really getting to? And I found this one um, woman's rendition. It was like Kelly R. And she was saying that it basically is like the way it's written is one, it's a Shakespearean sonnet. Mm -hmm. But in the way he edits the lines, the fourth line is indented down into the fifth. So it doesn't look like it intentionally. But if you break down the rhyme scheme, it is. Uh, Very nice. The... Um, she described the words as like spiraling in a dance down the page and it sort of ends because it's the wind blowing these leaves off the trees and the last line is sort of like something to the effect of like the trees uh, stood naked against the moon's light and like they're basically all their leaves are gone and they're just there. So I love it when you get shit like that in poetry. It's just so... It it all works together and so it's all reminiscent of like the wind is basically like the reaper in this thing. It's the reaper of the season yeah, yeah, coming yeah, to yeah. an end of the close. So all that is just important to put in the context of why this kid, this kid with these no eyes, who's been so he's had a tortured life, right? Mm-hmm. He's now singing this song in particular about the Naraj worlds to Sidetail. Feels like a dirge. A dirge. Yeah, yeah, in a lot of ways for himself and I think. Mm-hmm. For like all the stuff he'll never see in his life. Damn. He, he still has to live though, and he's still alive. It's it's very strange. Now, Sightail and Farouk, they don't even join the youth. They sit on the opposite side. Like They just leave him be. And this is going to be ultimately when we get to the end. We find out the youth is also part of the fucking conspiracy. Yeah. And he is playing a coded message part. into Sightail that Sightail doesn't know about. So I'm just like, who is in charge of this conspiracy? 
Because <laughs> I don't know how this works, to be quite honest point. with you. I'm like, who told him to give him this message? Like, my large spice beard. Yeah. <laughs> oh, spins around in the chair. At the end of it, you're just getting gonna... his parrot. <laughs> I am Emperor now. <laughs> that would be great. Oh, like, if there's a surprise Emperor at the end of this book, every book we switch Emperors. Like... Oh, wouldn't that be great? <laughs> Um, but, oh man! In this courtyard as well, we look down at the tile work, and it's all sea creatures in this big uh, who'd never ocean seen a sea motif before. Yeah, I'm gonna say that for when we do his little baptism scene here. Now, Farouk offers Sightails a cushion, and it's one that was once occupied by Moadib in Siet. That makes it even better. Yeah, like, that's a. Classic. People would pay some like good money for that. Probably, I mean, it's really like uh, you know we have like the re- bones of saints and stuff right. like that. I wonder it's if the relic is of... worth more than his house. Oh, definitely. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Uh, well, I mean, being on the holy planet, I don't know. I don't know. I can catch some money. Now, Farouk notes. Uh, I'm sorry, Sightail notes Farouk's wisdom. And being here, and like Farouk kind of praises that Matt, and he's sort of just like, just in case Moadib's looking, it's probably a good idea to cover all look of our at, bases. Yeah, look at this, isn't this? Uh... I love my emperor. My emperor is so great. Uh, I would shine this thing as ass and set up. And that's going to be the big motif. This entire chapter in the conversation, a lot of it is encoded message, because they don't have Edric nearby to be like, hey, what's going on? To an extent, eventually uh, Farouk is going to kind of just step forward and be like, look, we're putting all, if we're going to trust the the uh, steersman, we might as well trust him entirely. Right. There's so no the idea that there's he, no in between, really. So the idea that he is going to shield them, just maybe they're not. Cool. I think right now he might not be fully committed. Okay. So like, Sidehill's just going to sort of like play along until he gets them on board. Oh, I mean Farouk. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Yeah. Oh, he's and, gonna play yeah. on because he keeps responding in coded messages yeah. as well, playing like wanting it right. in his confidence because he he feels that distrust, which is the distrust and the prejudice we've kind of right. already brought up, where it's only because he's Talaxlu, Bremen don't like you, just in general. So yeah, he's got to get over that, and Farouk he's, he's gonna make some strides. He's gonna try to, mm-hmm. but uh, and the whole time Farouk speaks, and I love that Sightail notes this in the beginning is that it's like it's with the music. He's kind of going with the almost meter like of a it. song. Yeah, well, it's almost like he doesn't want to interrupt certain notes. Like, maybe certain notes encode certain things. That's the impression I get by the end of it. Of, like, that's why he has to speak with the music. I like to imagine this is Farouk's swan song. This is just his favorite, like... Well, I, no, I no, 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 not that. What do you got? Swan song, like, uh, the dying song of a swan. Oh, Okay. It's like the last, the last song they did. Really, yeah, but he didn't know at the very least. I don't know. I think maybe he did. Oh, you think he was prepared for the possibility? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, can, I, can, I want to give Farouk that much. Uh, it just, uh, I guess, noting wisdom of being like the word that comes to mind. That just yeah, yeah, he'd be able to kind of put all these pieces out and there. And like, he's been sharp enough to hold his conversation with Sightail in coded messages. I think he knew exactly what was going to happen. And it was worth the cost. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, he doesn't want to continue on the life that this is going on right now. Yeah. I think, in a lot of ways, he's trying to save the Fremen as a whole. Yeah. Because he's disgusted by what they've become. Yeah. Yeah. They're not what we were. Farouk continues this. I and mean, now we're going to touch on uh, why Naraj was kind of important. 
and he tells him his son lost his eyes in the conquest of Naraj. He was nursed there and should have stayed. No woman of the people will have him thus. That's crazy. Ooh. Like, he just should have stayed on that planet. That's where Farouk, like, did part of his conquest. He had this child. Because he's blind, he should never have returned to Arrakis. He's never going to find a mate here. Right. He's going to be alone. He's going to be ostracized. Now, then so why do you think he did return? Because, like, he, oh, well, here's the thing. I guess his son maybe wouldn't have known that. Did he have, did Farouk have his son he, before Muad'Dib came to power? So, uh, well, he, he would have had to, yeah, for him to fight in the war. I don't know. It could have been a 12-year-old boy going in there. Who knows? Well, no, I guess but he, how, he'd yeah, be 12 now. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> so how, how are you? Thank you. That, uh, that's hey, why. Wine and math. They don't go hand in hand. Never, never. But we can we we look back on things. But that's why I'm saying, yeah. yeah no, he would have point. had to have been some age, maybe like 10 when Paul came sure, to power. Sure. And I can see, I don't know how young, friend, probably like 15, you're good to go. No, probably 13. As soon as you can ride a worm. I, I think I think it's even younger than that. Well, I, I think once you ride the worm, that's your test of manhood. Yeah. And that's got to be, boom, the, at least of any threshold. You're, you can go off planet. You right. You can go kind of whatever you need. Yeah. Um, if you can ride a worm, you can ride a high ladder. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so I, I think that must be there. Uh, and that, yeah. Um, the youth would have known. Yeah, we don't get a name for this kid, do we? Ever? No, I don't like that we don't get a name for I him. I mean, kind almost. of fair, though, for all the women that didn't get named. I, yeah. I'm fine with this one kid not getting a name. Um, what are, I mean, we had Kyle. Who's this kid? Oh, well, I, re- I mean, obviously, I regretted that Kyle is never space-worthy as great as a Fremen as he became. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have any good space names on hand? I don't have one. Um, I want to I wanna reach for the Bible, then. I want to go, like, just call him Ezekiel. Ooh, Ezekiel. No, no, no E. Oh, Ezekiel? Just Ezekiel. Oh, that's a space name. Yeah, right? It's a little yeah. tri- oh. trim down. Like, Well done, Derek. Thank you. Thank you. You, know, <laughs> you put me in a pinch. I'll, I'll come too. Uh, and that will be Farouk's son. Ezekiel, I like Ezekiel. it. Uh, but yeah, he he would know this um, prejudice or phobia the Fremen kind of have towards the mm-hmm. blind, especially the blind. It's very important to their culture. Like, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I I get for people that are so independent and self-dependent, like to lose a whole sense, it's a whole meaning of your being, right? Like, like how do you survive in the desert? You can't. Yeah. You really can't. I know. Maybe. Just maybe, Mike, we'll see someone who can. What? I don't know. I don't know. Wait, what? Now, being God, told. Son of a bitch. I know. It's one of those <laughs> moments. Being told Sightail is a face dancer, Farouk admits that he was curious at the man's features. And I love this. We're like, Farouk's willing to take a detour to just be like, I've got some uh, face dancer questions that like, I've never had a chance to ask in my <laughs> it's life. Like, Since and we're it's here. Like, we're at such a pressing conspiracy. This is not the time to ask about hermaphrodite <laughs> face dancers. But like, I get it. You're never going to meet another one. So, the first thing we'll address is the face that he's worn. And, uh, you know, Saitail's like, you kind of, you know who I am. It's like, that's the face of Duncan Idaho, I kind of guess. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, Farouk figured this one out already. He's like, that's the one. <laughs> and I wonder, though, if it was just like the back of his mind. It must have just been like an itch. Like, so familiar, but clearly you're not Duncan. Probably, yeah. You know, yeah. just couldn't bring it forward. Uh, but it also, it doesn't make sense that Farouk would describe Duncan as a sword master in the Emperor's pay. Hmm. That doesn't add up for me. Farouk one never met Duncan. 
He was never in the Emperor's How do you know bed. he never met Duncan? Because we saw Duncan when he died. Okay, but we know that Duncan spent a solid month at Siege Tabar. Uh, okay, okay. He yeah, he probably met Duncan there. But then I, I would just emphasize then that it's still so removed from Paul. When we knew that he belonged to the Atreides. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And that ultimately he abandoned the Fremen for the Atreides, and Paul, who is like the big boy Atreides, is the Emperor. I think you could make the one-to-one there. Okay, I, I, I give you... Brooke is wise as hell, Derek. <laughs> he knows what he's talking about. His wisdom's not to be questioned by an off-worlder <laughs> like you. I'll let you have this one, but I still think uh, shenanigans are afoot in this uh, household. I know. I think I'm on board for that. I think... uh, No, no. Your reasoning is solid, but I hope you at least acknowledge how questionable it is that you got there. I don't know. You're just connecting... Brooks had a lot of time to think about things. (laughs) A lot of time sweeping. A lot of time. You lose your mind sweeping. Uh, But let's go into these uh, face answer questions, Mike. Because first, he wants to know if Sightail, are you really a man? And Sightail's going to say, we are Jadaka hermaphrodites, either sex at will, for I, or for the present, I am a man. And, Jadaka? Yeah, Jadaka. And uh, I couldn't find anything. There was one website that referenced, like, leg thigh and the feminine for Hindi for that. Mm-hmm. But it was, like, a weird kind of looking blog, looked like it was made in 1990, that I did not want to trust it. So, like, <laughs> I couldn't replicate it on any other translation. So, I don't know where Tadaka comes from. Yeah, if anyone has any uh, insight on that one, please let us know. Yeah, I, I'm at a loss for it. But, nonetheless, they are hermaphrodites are coming into it. Like, they can be either sex at will. I had this question in that the, the first chapter, too. It's just, like, uh, if uh, face dancers born as a man or a woman, do they still sort of internally associate themselves mm-hmm. as man or woman? But I think it just comes down to the role they're playing, so to speak. Definitely. Cause like they enter sort of the same mind. Uh, I mean, obviously they have their own thoughts and schemes and plans, but they also, well, that what's con- it called? That sort of contradicts like your whole thing though. Of, like wouldn't that own thoughts, schemes and plans possibly include a gender? Maybe not. Or an identity nonetheless. Maybe not. I, I don't know. I wonder if you would... Uh, one of the things Franks does play with down the line, uh, eventually we start making like really, really good face dancers that can do full simpatico. Like it's more than just what uh, Sightail's able to do. Those face dancers can get lost in an impression. Oh, okay. Yeah, so you're thinking he can, he can totally remove himself from it. I Maybe you have to. It would kind of almost... Because you are everything and anything. That might make you better at the job. Possibly. I think, Probably, honestly, definitely. it would. Yeah. 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 yeah, totally. For being able to do this kind of role. That, it's very strange to, like, male and female, to go for, like, espionage. of like, that is an in-depth role to play. Yeah. St- strikes me On as a whim Because it only takes them a moment to change, apparently. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, for different features. Mike, our deep dive today... We're going into how he changes each thing. Oh, that's just gold. It's it's really cool and kind of gross. Uh, it gets physical. Physical. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah. Either sex at will. Very cool. Um, not sure about their identities. We'll have to just see what how Sightail tells us down the road. Yeah, I'd um, like to learn more sort of about... I feel like we're going to learn more about face dancers each time we sort of, like, go into his abilities or how people interact with him. Yeah, and I again, I got to kind of give you, like, Sightail is sort of an exception, too, and Frank is going to change the rules entirely. So, like, don't get too attached to anything. Yeah. Just enjoy the character. 
Uh, and just let, like, let's just Wait, focus. What's that mean, Derek? <laughs> well, just that, like, we need to look at Cytale. You're never going to actually know what all phased answers are like because we True. don't, we it's don't like, ever get to see one as intimately right, right, as right. we get to see Cytale, who is just happens to be the best phased answer, you know, whoever Damn exists. It, Frank. He just can't give us a buy on anything. You, I, I, I would, let's look at it as like, I don't think he can help but fall in love with Cytale too and want to make him special. Oh, you know, it would be uh, a great job for face dancers, mm. a performing troupe doing plays. But I, I think I've, I think you're working off Inception. I've already told you that. Huh? Oh. That's like how they started. Is that really? Yeah. I've told you that a couple of times. You did Incept me. I did. Like you are completely verbatim saying what's in the encyclopedia. Maybe another glass of that That's rock. Like, I think I might need a little it's, something here. Be a troop. Yeah, but they will make a great dancing troupe. Um, <laughs> much like that drug that makes you tell the truth until people see the obvious problems of having like, face-changing oh, actors. Second. Like, this is great until they, like, go into, like, secret ops. It's like, oh, no. Why does he look like me? <laughs> now, Not just look, though. Act, too. Act. Yeah, yeah the simpatico. That's, that's it, so good. That's the greatest, I think, word that he throws in there that just changes the entire definition of a face dancer. How do you... Do you need to register someone like a Benny Gesserit does? Where you like you need to get enough of like the nuances and their vocal patterns? Yeah, oh, uh, I don't think I have enough of a like um, explanation for Frank to actually tell you that. Like, I don't think he's really? said, I don't think he's ever told me exactly the the difference between the two. I feel like there's got to be a similarity of some sort. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying we know it very intimately from the BG perspective. Mm-hmm. I don't know it from the BNA to Laxley perspective, mm-hmm. um, but. Let me let me leave behind our hermaphrodite for right now. Sure. Cause Farouk's gonna offer some absurd refreshments for a Fremen. Would you like any water or iced fruit? Jesus Christ, Farouk. God damn. It's money, money, money. He's making it burn. And uh so opening I, doors. Yeah, he's just <laughs> throwing iced fruit. He he hates life. He's a vindictive Fremen at Do this point. Do you think he's he's being spiteful when he says this so. in a way? I think this is just like to like flat the idea that like it doesn't fucking matter. Mapes is turning over in her grave. Oh my left. god, yeah, she is. Now, Sightail, he turns down this hospitality. Uh he just wants to get down to business. So he tells him, Blessed is Abu Dafur, father of the infinite roads of time. And he's indefinite like, roads of time. Indefinite, sorry, yeah, yeah. Indefinite roads of time. And Sightail's like, there. I told them I've come from a guild steersman. We can get right to the point. <laughs> so we have like <laughs> we have this code, and this is much like the language in the first chapter, where this code mm. isn't like something you and I could really figure out. Frank just tells us it every time very mm-hmm. blatantly. And I didn't find it as intriguing as the language in the first one. Uh Sightail, he ultimately he wants to know about Paul's keep. Uh, and Farouk he wants information, the blueprints. Blue, exactly yeah. what he wants. I need. To, he really wants to know where Paul lives in this keep, and he's not going to get that information. No, because it doesn't exist. It does. They're nomads within their own keep. No, Mike, you've got the keep so big they just travel room the room. Yes, you've got lost in the rumors. There is. We've been to Paul's room, Mike. We're just there. We know he has one room that he sleeps in, but. Yeah, I love that there's this blend of, like, truth and rumor that can't mm-hmm. be discerned entirely. And uh, before Farouk can talk, though, he advises waiting. And Sightail is just like, what the fuck are we waiting for? Uh, we were already waiting outside. Now I'm waiting in here. And so he asks, like, all right, how'd the boy lose his eyes? I'm just like, and then I almost like, is that a, is that a dig at Farouk a little bit? Yeah. Because <laughs> Sightail would understand what the eyes mean to the Fremen here. 
but it's also going to obviously let us uh, illuminate more Farouk's um, disenchantment with the Empire, right? So Farouk tells him how the defenders had used a stone burner, and this is some form of a tonic. So that's all we really learn, right, in this chapter. Mm. And that is what blinded or definitely like stone burner. Stone burner. What are you thinking? That uses atomics. Now, there's different types of atomics. Mm -hmm. Depends on the material you use and how much of it. It's hard to say. A stone burner. I want to say it's closer to like a little boy. Like in, um, is that a Ender, I mean, Ender's game? No, no, that that's uh, that was like the first nuke that uh, the U.S. launched. Oh, okay, okay. There's little boy and fat man. Yes, uh, little boy, I think used uh, uranium, no hydrogen, and fat man used plutonium. The difference being that uh, little boy was more physically destructive. And like at point, I mean at point zero, it literally just like annihilated everything. There was no like destroy the particles, mm -hmm. or not destroy, but destroyed like the molecules, the okay. atoms. Um, but with like uh, Fat Man, a lot of it was the radiation was more intense, and the radiation is what did a lot of damage instead of the physical disruption. Damn. Even though what it was a nuclear blast, but like it was the after. The, uh, yeah, that's even worse. Yeah, to have the, radi honestly. the radiation as the kicker. Mm -hmm. So there's all sorts of different types of nuclear uh, atomics out there. All right. So where does that get you to like a stone burner? Stone Almost burner, like I want to say, is a little bit more like a uh, little boy where it's like it just like annihilates everything in that radius. And those those were like baby atomics. Now we're at big boy atomics in everyone's arsenal. So like, I don't even know what they're at in the future in like 30,000 years from now. Yeah. Yeah. So like maybe a stone burner, maybe that literally does destroy like a state's worth of like ground. Who knows? Just like targeted at like the crust. Yeah. Yeah. Like who knows? Well, Frank has a good idea <laughs> and he's going to tell us later on. Um, Am I close? Am I far? Um, oh, you want to actually know? Uh, no, you're pretty, you're pretty good. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be a, um, kind of a targeted nuclear device. Um, I believe used at like boring through stone. Oh. But clearly used in malevolent ways here. Uh, cause Cytale is going to react a little surprised to be like, I didn't know the Naraj had deployed a stone burner. And if he felt like this was news, he should have heard. Yeah. No, but it's like, it seems like it's something, it's at least a dramatic step in the Emperor to deploy this against Paul. Like, yeah. it, it doesn't seem like it's been done before. Well, I think that's a big thing. because People like, are desperate. The Guild and Landsrad, they're the turnkeys when it comes to this. Well, no, no. I think this is one of your ways you get around that. Oh. Or uh, kind of maybe reinforcing your point of saying like those that's are how the, desperate they were. Those are the two like keeping that thing a lot yeah. that we'll take this kind of closest approximation well, and turn it up to ten. We'll the, take that message laser and fire it at full blast. Right. Well, I guess this is the point. Like with the guild, it doesn't matter mm -hmm. because they don't need the guild to transport there. They're being attacked. Yeah, Naraj. Yeah. Yep. And then with the Landsrad, it's like, if their house doesn't survive, it doesn't fucking matter what well, the Landsrad does. Well, the only thing a Landsrad can do is attack you. We're already being attacked. Exactly. So well, it's just like, that sort of defeats the purpose of, like, this nuclear uh, armistice. Ooh. 
So, oh, inter- if so, you're being invaded. No, no, yeah. Interesting point, though. So it seems that no planet has, like, that, suicided uh, yeah. out of oblivion, which I, get, I guess I get why. Yeah. I would rather live under oppression than, like, dead. Mm-hmm. You know. But, like, I guess the, the point that, like, no one has a hold over you if you're defending yourself with nuclear armaments. Yeah. And that, like, Other than, like, when it's all said and done, if you did survive, no, you're on your own now. You're your own planet. No one's going to fuck, like... Now, oh, actually, if I to build in this even a little more, that also would have happened... Maybe, oh, I guess we don't know how many... How long ago it was. Could have been fairly recent that his son lost his eyes, I guess. Yeah, I mean, in the last 12 years at least. No, no, but I was going to say would it have been 12 years and that certainly Cytale would have learned in 12 I, years. But if, like, he had just courted Otham's daughter within this time, it's probably been within, like, two years. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Maybe. But something where, like, yeah, it's it's reasonable that Cytale hadn't heard about it. Mm-hmm. Now, to all of this, uh, bringing up the eyes, Farouk mentions that he offered to buy his son metal eyes from the masters of Cytale. Talax Lou Metal Eyes. But the fact that Farouk like offered to do that too. That doesn't that isn't that sort of anti Fremen in a way? I think this is something that we're gonna key into Farouk. Farouk is that's I think why he wants to undo it all. He's become just like everybody else, the antithesis of what he believes and in. He hates that. Look at the house he's in. He hates the house he's in. He would do anything for his son, though. He would, you know, betray all of these presets, right. even though he doesn't want to. That's the story of Farouk's life. He never would have betrayed the Fremen. Here he is, leader of the Fremen, in a house that is like just I mean, anathema that's the thing. It's to like, him. By not by what by using a door seal there is like what is he proving discipline? This is like it doesn't matter. The money he's probably got way more like resources Wait, and money than we this, can even see. This should be in a yeah. basin. This it's should just be like, yeah. the people's water. It's just like I could do this, but at the same time, it doesn't matter. And like there's a pragmatism to that. It's like I don't have the same need to like keep that in and it's not right. Like Yeah, not I not yeah, like a moral pragmatism. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Not like an ethic or efficiency, but like, yeah. There's I'm not gaining anything from this. Like I'm no better a Fremen by being here or by taking care of the water. Like, right, right, he, right. he can't win at this point. No, like it's, he's back the wrong horse. I think that's uh, again. I mean, that, I think that's just reinforcing my point with like I think Farouk sees what's coming here in the end. I yeah, you've won me over to that idea that like he's kind of given it all up. Yeah, he wants to die. Yeah, in a lot of ways, and he's asking to be killed. Uh, now, do you think he was sweeping his last rug there? With? Just the last bit of grain out the door. Ooh, a perfectly swept house. Sightail, <laughs> uh, he's going to try to turn this meeting back to business, and he does this multiple he has times. To do multiple times. Yeah. yeah. Always. Always in this stupid Well, that's the thing. Like, old men, they like to talk. Yeah, but I love it. This is like fruit comes back at him. I'm like, look, just speak plainly. If we're going to trust your steersman, it might as well be complete. And it's like, so what's like, are you kidding me? Oh, I hate you, Fremen, so much. Like, I'd rather be in a room with Edric right now <laughs> to make me say these words. And at this point, the question at hand is whether Farouk has ever physically been inside the Imperial Keep. It's all you have to tell him. And mm-hmm. Farouk tells him, ah, yes, yes, I was there at the feast celebrating the Molitor victory, which was Farouk's, like, personal victory. Oh. Now, it was cold in this giant... We're only going to get, like, two great descriptions of the Arakeen Palace. 
One is going to be Farouk's description here. Yeah. The other is going to come in a few chapters for us. But so enjoy this while we do have okay. it. Okay. But it's so large that even the best Ixian space heaters can't keep this keep warm, like this large stone chamber that they're dining Ooh. in. They slept on the terrace of Aaliyah's Fane. How did you think of that? Aaliyah's Fane. Aaliyah's got her own temple. All set to go that she hangs out on. So we're on the terrace of her fame. What is the temple about? Just the fact that she's like... Go on. Yeah, I got nothing for you. I mean, like, that she's she's a reverend mother? She's Saint Aaliyah of the Knife, huntress of a billion worlds, Mike. Well, Oh, was she out there on that? Oh, come on now. Yeah. yeah, I saw the movie. I saw how that little girl yeah. looked. <laughs> that, those are her happiest. Uh, yeah, but she basically she heads that branch for her emperor, her god emperor brother. You know, god emperor. He is. Oh, is Paul really the god emperor? Are you no, fucking with no, me? No, he's not the god emperor. But as you're gonna see, he's clearly an emperor that's perceived as god. But right. he's not the god emperor by any means. Oh, I'm not, he's not Derek. God I'm like. I feel wouldn't, like that be, wouldn't it be the greatest unweird like hi it's still Paul I would literally punch you <laughs> close up shot now we also hear that Paul has trees in this house trees from many worlds yeah oh my god and think about the palms in the first book you yep. know it's like each of those is a hundred of us yeah not even that we're talking redwoods yeah like we're talking like crazy trees oh from all across God. the imperium each with the- i think it causes just in that castle the entire thing of what the planet yeah yeah pretty much oh a cause gotcha yeah <laughs> uh i think it's a causes oh no the, all of ecos oh each each planet in its own but i'm like they must have their own environments for every tree or like as it needs varied thinking back to uh the Arakin Keep. It's like that uh, giant wooden beam. It's like, I wonder where that came from. That couldn't have come from here, obviously. And like, it can if oh. Paul's Palace. Hell yeah. Chop one of those down. Yeah. You yeah. got something reserved. It all changes, dude. That's horrifying almost. Now, the Bashars that have all come here, they're all wearing green robes. So they got to trade these colors now. It's what they're repping. And uh, they all ate and drank way too much. And then the walking wounded came. And Farouk blames Moadib for their maiming. This was like... As he should, rightfully. Well, in a way. In a way, yeah, yeah. But, like, at the same time, looking back from Paul's perspective, yes, he used the Fremen. Yeah. He didn't want the Jihad, though. He really tried to avoid that up until, I think, the death of his son and, like, just emotion overtook him. That's how I like to characterize it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, until we get to the last kind of bit. There. But, like, I guess in a sense, it is technically Paul's fault by the end of it. Okay, there are a lot of people that said yes, though. Yes. And but I think that's the way, you can't separate that that's out. That's fair, but they don't know that. Paul does know that. They know that he can see things they can't. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Paul had a greater responsibility. Well, think he about, had super, like, he had superpowers. You think Paul has trouble, like, figuring out his stuff? Imagine what everyone else thinks of Paul, knowing that he can, like, see these different futures. Yeah, I mean, that's part of what made Farouk go on this whole journey. He wouldn't have gone on the jihad outside of Paul's, like, prophetic powers that he mm-hmm. displayed to his friends while he was out there. Well, just the big thing is just, like, I need to know if the sea is real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I love that so much. Now, uh, Farouk explains that the meal uh, was not like the Tao of the Siet, which mm. is interesting. And Sightail kind of cues right into this. 
uh, being that like the Tao was always invoked by the spice beer, this oneness. And he's like, he didn't feel that oneness at this dinner. This was just drunken. Like everyone's reverie. individually being, uh, it, it, right there. They're individuals. Yeah. That's not that. It's not how the Tao works. Right. We Tao is us being a one. This was everyone reveling in their own personal. It's very hedonistic. It was but like, yeah. I, th- I don't necessarily think hedonism is a bad thing. I think there's different varieties of hedonism, but like, I think this in particular is just a very gluttonous version of it. I think it's, it's meant to be very symbolic of like a, an empire going over the, I mean, it's like Rome of, you know, passing yeah. its point of, it's going past that decadence point. We're like, yeah, we like, can't support this, this. It is not necessary. Mm-hmm. And uh, Moadib eventually joins them on the terrace, and his greeting upsets Farouk because he comes out and oh, he says, God. "Good fortune to us all." And it's the greeting drill of the desert in this place that appalls Farouk. I feel for Farouk in this instance. Like this is kind of disgusting and upsetting. Can we, wait, wait. Can we step out though and slip into Paul's view? Like, don't you see why Paul would greet these? Again, like, I don't know if at this point Paul knows that he's done something so terrible. I don't think he does. That he's killed the Fremen, right? Yeah. He's like, I'm giving you everything we've asked for. Well, because technically wanted. what? He can't see this, so he wouldn't even know this is a possibility, right? And he's a child. He is a child. He's, oh God, that's right. Yeah. Like let's, he's only like eighteen years old. At this it doesn't even matter what age he's. I'm like the highest it was gonna get was like twenty one. <laughs> like he's twenty one. No, no, no. Okay, no, 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 no. Add, add the three years to make his reign. No, no, because this is Frook. This uh, is Frook's victory. He's a Bashar. Yep. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And he didn't become a Bashar right away. Right. Definitely, it, definitely. Everyone not the, else started doing, it and then he jumped on. So I'm. <laughs> and then he jumped. Yeah. Then yeah. he jumped on. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I think this is midway through the jihad. Okay, okay. I still wouldn't give Paul the benefit of, of like, I think Paul would be coming from a good place in saying that. A meaning well, and then... Oh, uh, no, I absolutely believe yeah, you on that. Sure, and then, sure. This just proves that Paul, at the end of the day, he is human. They all are. Yeah. yeah. What, what did the Baron say? He can still err. When did you say that? With Piter in chapter two, because I remember everything in chapter two. Yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> uh, what was it that he actually said? That? What was he talking about? I don't remember that line. Oh, this all. was uh, Baron uh, talking to Faye. It's like, look at him. Look at how he plans. Oh, but Piter can still err. I didn't remember who he was talking about. Oh, that yeah. is a great line. Now, Sightail is going to cue back in to where he really wants to get here, Mike. All right, all right. This keeps great. Where's Paul's room? I really want to know where Paul's room is. Where would I put up? <laughs> if I was a hunter seeker, where would I be planted when he moved in? <laughs> Hypothetically. <of> <laughs> and uh, Farouk tells him, and this is my greatest uh, or my favorite little bit from here. I'm like, this is clearly bullshit, Farouk, but I like that you buy into this. Mm-hmm. And like, oh, him and Janie live a nomadic life within the keep because it's so large. <laughs> you know, they're just going from room to room. <laughs> um,. And he describes several areas of the house. Most intriguing of all, I thought, was uh, that Paul allegedly has a room down below with a stunted worm in it. That's like his room for prophesizing. Kind of believe that. Totally. That one's yeah. totally, yeah, of like getting your own water or life. I dig it. I dig it entirely. And Sightail, though, has to think of himself like, great. Also, the keep is big enough to house a worm. Even if it is stunted, Still a worm. That isn't. That's a, emphatically true. Yeah, he could fit a full size worm in there. Jesus. The the 
the second person we're going to get describing his house will just be talking about how large his house is. This is ridiculous. It's it's a big place. It's the entire plains of Arakeen. Pretty oh much my like God. where that whole battle yeah. took out. That's where he built his house. <laughs> that's my home now. <laughs> it's all walled in. Um, but so Sidetail, he's got to basically bring out like, again, the worm down below. I do believe that. But then I'm like, them nomadic in their own house? I don't believe that. Where is the middle line between those two, though, that you could define the truth? I don't know. Uh, but uh, Farouk kind of continues. Like, well, the entourage of government follows Paul everywhere. He's got, like, this whole army of people with him wherever he goes in his home. That, yeah, very uh, bureaucratic. I sure. totally see that. But Paul only trusts the likes of Stilgar and those like closest in his inner circle mm. when he ascended. So that's like Cheney, Stilgar. I think that's it. Aaliyah. Like the, Aaliyah. his inner circle yeah. is very small because Farouk. Aaliyah is, for a lot of reasons, for sure. A lot of different reasons yeah. than the others. Definitely. Yeah. She's family. That's, yeah. a, that's well, a different. Uh, yeah. Also like the closest thing besides like a navigator. Mm-hmm. To like what he experiences yeah, yeah. is like we can relate sort of right no closer than a navigator <laughs> yeah because yeah. she can walk through it and leave messages in it yeah secret yeah. messages as a baby yeah as a baby <laughs> hey Buana <laughs> Buana <laughs> um and we learned that Paul also has a thopter pad outside his room of course he does that only he could land on maybe a Duncan Idaho in his he's, prime he's got a little Ibrahim in him. Yeah, you gotta like if you don't fuck up, don't be drunk on spice beer going home. Yeah, uh, or you will just plummet into the garden in between the walls. But uh, yeah, no, the idea that all the Atreides are just fantastic pilots. And it's interesting that Sidetail is like that's the one thing that he's like. Well, that's true. That one I know is fact. <laughs> like he definitely has that. I still Duncan Idaho does not know how to put a thopter in the first gear. You don't ever need to, Mike. That's the <laughs> that's the point of like the people put in first gear chumps. Uh, we also learned that Paul uses men as distractions, which we touched on right in the beginning. Oh my god, it's important to everyone else. Um, Sightail is very unfazed by that, though. Uh, and then the one bit that we do touch on that Farouk is like even his tax collectors use this method. In Sightail, and this is gonna be Frank chiming through. Mm-hmm. He says. Um, but revenue information must be kept secret, Sightail thought. More than one government has fallen because people discovered the real extent of official wealth. Ooh. Like, hell yeah. Oh, yeah. That's how one of the ways uh, in Russia you have uh, Alexis Novaini is the opposition to Vladimir Putin. Wouldn't it be Alexei? Is it? Yeah, I think you are right. I'm sorry. Yeah. Did I say Alexis? Yeah. Yeah, I like to be in my car. Um, <laughs> Alexa, yeah, uh, Novaini. Uh, but he just started exposing... Uh, how much the government just waste and like these mansions that Putin has and such. And that's like his political strategy. Yeah. And that like worked for him so well. Be like, all I got to do is show how much you waste our money. Right. right. Oh, very much seems like relevant to this chapter too. Like talking about Paul, talking about Looking the Fremen, the this, Bashar right this, now. This cul-de-sac. Why do you think the cul-de-sac is walled in? Oh, I think part of it, you don't want them to see it. So yeah. obviously flaunted every day. You can probably already see the water vapor like evaporating over the whole cul-de-sac. <laughs> There's a rainbow over the cul-de-sac. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not really what we were going for. Um, That's awkward. <laughs> the rainbows would just point like anger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
No, I think it'd be like, oh, that's interesting until I realize what a rainbow is. It's like, oh, no. Yeah, like if you see a rainbow, a mob just forms to go to the end of it and destroy whatever is there. A rainbow marked for death. (laughs) The colors of death. Um, Scythale, he next, though, he asks how the Fremen feel about the Jihad Mm -hmm. and making a god out of their emperor. Oh. That's why I clearly like yeah. Yeah. he is a god emperor of sorts. Right, right, right. And uh Farouk tells him he saw it once as a source of experience, adventure, and wealth. And he gestured to this house, uh, and that this graven hovel cost ninety liters of spice or sixty liters of spice, ninety contars. Yeah. A handful of spice is a home and trip to two pile. He's like, Look at my home. <laughs> <laughs> this is a spe- uh Spicy home, he's into. <laughs> oh my god! And uh, Sightail remarks on how a contar used to be uh, some sort of measurement to the weight of a camel. I couldn't actually find what this is referring to. Uh, if there is an actual like Arabic term, this is trying to tie to. And I was, I was really hoping oh. it would with how pers- uh, how precise Sightail's reference is there, though. Is the leaders supposed to mean leaders? I yeah, I think so. Like uh, just a phonetic term, like phonetic. Must be or at least a close approximation to. Either way, that's a shit ton of spice. Because I can at least like conceptualize what a leader is. Definitely. Uh, And then then they call them leader johns. Leader johns. Leader johns are specifically a liquid measurement, though. Spice would be like a like a cup kind of measurement. Right, right, right. Yeah. Oh. You know what I'm saying? Like we don't have a leader as a dry measurement. Gotcha. Yeah. Oh, I want lead us to be the dry. I mean, but. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, you say that, but I've got like a 16 liter bag for camping, so. Yeah, but that's in liquid measurement, Mike. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But I don't put liquid shit in there. I <laughs> put my dry <laughs> stuff in there. <laughs> I got My I'm, point, I guess, is it doesn't matter. We know how much a liter is. Yeah, it's totally the point. <laughs> um, now, regardless, Farouk is just going to pine for the old days, Mike, for the old CH days. <laughs> Because <laughs> um, his words oddly in rhythm with the melody of his son's ballast set. As said, he's keeping with that me- tuning is going in right now. That right. secret message. He says, I owned a Chris knife, water rings to 10 liters, my own lance, which had been my father's, a coffee service, a bottle made of red glass older than any memory in my CH. I had my own share of our spice, but no money. I was rich and I didn't know it. That is what Farouk is lamenting for. He even says he was a naive. And I don't know how to reconcile that with our history. I was history. trying to think of, like, what does that even mean? I mean, he had to have gotten a tribe Do you think it's a point. metaphor? That, like... I think it's literal for that word, right? Yeah. Yeah. But he also... Oh, no, no, that's why. Because Stilgar graduated to, like, governor of Iraq. But he will... Well, right? no. I think he's always still in charge of Tabar. I don't know. I don't know either. I think when he does, like, takes over the planet, he's in charge of all of the I, Fremen. I think, uh, none, well, or maybe even when you're just, maybe when you go off world, like, that legion is your CH, so to speak. Could be I don't some, know. Something I think, like that, but, like, either I, way, Farouk. I honestly think Farouk maybe took over Tabar in a way. Oh, we know. He definitely didn't get Tabar. No? I know for that for sure he didn't get Tabar. Tabar is still in uh, Stilgar hands. Stilgar is never gonna fucking like go to someone in a different uh, CH. De- well, no, he you wouldn't marry. No, he had wise. You would go over and you would just kill that person. <laughs> like that's how 
Stilgar got Tabar. True. Yeah. No, you leave at 18. I think, it, yeah, he had to have gone to some Siet or some some manner of Fremen culture could have changed. Farouk realized he could sweep weakness under the rug. <laughs> <laughs> but I love that. Just that he became a naive, he's a rider worm, master of the Leviathan and of the sand. Damn, Farouk. He's gone places. Yeah. I want to see where he would did those 12 years. Uh, but he also continues that he knew of the water cycle and the little makers. So, like, he had a good understanding of Ooh. how it all worked. Uh, and that before... Le- um, how many of the Fremen do you think know that? Probably it was part of that school post-Liet. I think post-Liet, most. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I think, like, then it would be part of that um, school system. But I do think that Pardot was the one who got to the bottom of that cycle. Right. Because he knew what he was looking for as the mm-hmm. missing piece. Um, but he's mentioning he knew of these uh, makers. Um, it was before Liet, and that the tribe at that time they used to sacrifice virgins to Shai Halud, and this is obviously meant to tack on to what Cheney used to tell us. It's like Frank was easing us into Frank. Cheney just said blood sacrifices were happening. Farouk is now like, oh yeah, by the way, they're virgin sacrifices. Like we get real primal when it comes to Shai Halud. Now, Cheney, she was very much like, I'm not taking part. I'm just there when they happen. Like, uh, it's coincidence. Like, how do you feel about this at this point? Because for Farouk is saying it's wrong that we stopped. Cheney is yeah. letting us know that, like, some offshoot groups have started it again. She, I mean, okay. She didn't say that it was bad, though, did she? What do you mean? Like, no, she's all for it. Yeah. She just wanted Paul. She knows Paul would disapprove. Right, but it's like, this is the Fremen people. Sure. The people that you decided to take charge over. Yeah. I just like, are you going to deny them their culture? It, oh, I think he certainly will. That's I mean, what, like, he has. I mean, it's not a question of, like, if he will. See Atreides Emperor rule. <laughs> like, yeah, that's all he's about is uh, stripping the the Fremen away from what they really are in a way. <laughs> yeah. Or getting them to, like, do it for him in a, like, really sick way. Yeah. Because Farouk says, like, you know, we shouldn't have stopped doing the sacrifices. I think maybe he sees that as, like, that was the, that was the start of all these problems by, you know, Give an inch. To yeah. Pardot well, kinds. And I, I would just, oh, okay. Yeah. Even if you want to start with Pardot, but he says, like, uh, and then the Atreides came. That is Farouk's, like, breaking point in the history. Yeah. We have before guild, after guild. They have before Atreides, after Atreides. Right. That's how Farouk is looking at this. And Farouk can now tell us, like, look, I didn't want to join the uh, jihad when it started. But all my friends returned, and they were speaking of the powers of the Savior. And then they told him about something, like, about a sea. And, like, I could imagine a Quanat or a river even, but a sea. Looking back, how many Fremen do you think would be like, I want a Harkonnen dune now. I want a Harkonnen Arrakis now, because at least we had purpose. We knew what we were doing on day to day. Like the Harkonnens trained the faithful? Kind of. No, the, uh, you, well, no but way, you, yeah. I'm saying changing that. Yeah. Like, yeah. Because we killed the Harkonnens and the Harkonnens hunted us and we hunted the Harkonnens. That was that was life. Yeah. And now what are we? Like, we are a hollow remnant of what we once <sighs> were. 
I think Farouk's having a, a crisis here. He's having a very Fremen existential moment yeah. uh, for his whole people as a whole. Like, yeah, I, I mean... He's, I, he's not an individual case. That's the thing. I think this is supposed to be representative, too, because uh, I don't know if it's just more for, like... Well, uh, Answerfist is like, oh, you remember Farouk from book one? No one would no. remember Farouk from book Definitely one. Definitely not, because you already know that Korba is the panegyrist. True. We know that Met Otham is part of this uh, conspiracy somehow. All of the core members, all of the lieutenants we were promised to meet in the coming chapters, Mike, they've all turned on their leader. Yeah. That's what we're setting up for this book. Oh, my God. The point, yeah, no. So, I'm. The point, too, I think we're using Froke here as a point of reference where he's going to be representative of the Fremen. I think maybe a majority of Fremen. They're just like, after like the excitement's over. You know, a decade has passed. Where are we? What yeah. are we? Who are we now? Yeah, yeah. There's I don't sort think of he like, speaks alone. We had a um, what do I want to say? Um, of like a a two way decision. Oh, I think like in computer terms, uh, a binary decision. Okay, in the beginning between like Fremen deciding, are we lining up with this Mahdi or are we opposing this Mahdi? Jameis opposed, and him. it was it was very much still on the line where we still had people attempting to kill Paul. Right, that that's what I want to get to. And then like then we get them in Siege. Cheney is fighting them off. Paul's fighting them yeah, off. But yeah. it was like uh, this dichotomy of like you were either with the Messiah or you're against the Messiah, and that was like a simpler time. And now we're at this evolved point where like now the ones that have gone the Messiah, they're splintering into multiple groups yeah and we're having this farouk faction being like wait whose empire is falling apart it's crumb well yeah the foundation he built it on it's almost like he built it on sand mike (laughs) oh yeah yeah um do you want to keep going with that or can i move on to this next part with the c here uh we just get to farouk's baptism sure but i don't want to get you short there sure sure, sure. because uh but side tail just cuts in i'm like look did you ever find your c and I love that. That's a great oh. setup for Farouk. Because he just, I think he immediately just stares off into the distance. It's, yeah, there's not even yesterday because there was a sunset. <laughs> He's just like, Ooh. oh, this is a pre-prepared Balance story. Balance strumming in the <laughs> background. <laughs> and uh, one of the elder artists might have painted such a sunset. It had red in its color of the glass in my bottle. There was gold, blue. It was on a world they called Enfield. The one where I led my legion to victory. We came out of the mountain pass where the air was sick with water. I could scarcely breathe it. And there below me was the thing my friends had told me about. Water as far as I could see and further. We marched down to it. I waded out into it and drank. It was bitter and made me ill. But the wonder of it had never left me. Sightail found himself sharing the old Fremen's awe. Now, this is one of the scenes that I love. Did you just spill wine all over just spill, in, the, in revelry, Mike, oh, I hey, splashed some wine on you're, me. You're wearing like a, a maroon, wine go, wine a maroon sweater. <laughs> I like, am, that's so they can't see the me spill the wine. This is my uh, Dune camo. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, uh... Oh man, you totally derailed me. The no, it's fine. Um, yeah, what was I gonna say? I don't know, but I got something to say. 
and maybe this will get us back on track. Just the uh, the visuals of the scene that he paints and why it's so vivid. And th- like talking about his perspective of he misses the old ways. He misses who the Fremen were. He doesn't even recognize himself anymore because of it. The colors he talks about, the gold, the blue, the red. These are all things that relate directly to his experience as a Fremen. The blue of the eyes, the gold of the sands, the red of that glass. Yeah, I love. I like that they include the red in the bottle. That's the only bit that's like uh, only in this chapter because we're obviously tying back to the thing he said just before. The gold. I think that's why it's mentioned too because it's supposed to put this important. It it really it streamlines this whole story and gets us to it. Um, I yeah, I think it's really great there. And this bit where he comes out, though, I love them. We're coming out of a mountain pass, and it's first the humidity is hitting you, right? You can barely breathe, and he's kind of, like, coughing up. He's <laughs> oh going God, down. yeah. And uh, you get to this water that he's only ever heard of, and he just wades into it. And I feel like the one thing that Frank didn't want to ch- um, bring up or uh, emphasize is how the salt water makes you sick. Oh. I think that is the most important part to me that he goes out and he drinks it and it's bitter and it makes me ill. If I actually indulge in my dreams, Ooh. it pushes me back and it revolts me. You know, I just took it in a literal sense, but goddamn, Derek, that is on point. That's my, it, like Frank doesn't pick it up. He just like walks right by it. And, but I like what Frank does emphasize is this, um, this baptism that, uh, Farouk goes through. He sees this water. This is the whole point of his life's journey. Mm-hmm. He goes down into it with his men. He submerges himself in. He comes back up. He sees it's bitter. It's vile. And when he comes up, his eyes are new. And he's able to see things. Like, he says his eyes uh, could accept anything. And now he looks around. What so it's is- like he's literally seen the impossible. Uh, no, 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 no. I took it more as now he's going to look at the scene literally because Frank describes what's actually in the water around him. Okay. Did you get to the things that were floating in the water around him? There was the tree. There's a tree, which like I love one end, but he also says the water was supporting. He's like a little amazed that the water's holding this oh, log yeah. up too. I think just a little bit, but well, yeah, like, I mean, but half how, burned. Like, how would you understand buoyancy if you never had no. enough water? To, yeah. Yeah. You would, you would never. It's like how I feel like mercury buoyancy is explained to us explicitly in science to be like, this is how cool this is. You would never right, like right, a right. bowling ball floating. Blah. Be like, yeah, but they don't get to perform the other experience. Of like they never put things in water to see what you would never put anything no, in a yeah, basin like exactly it's sacrilege you get sent to the stills exactly yeah might as well uh, reduce you down um but we get that in here um and there's oh. also a fallen warrior uh there yeah so there's a dead body in the water the fallen warrior, a floating log, and it's burned on one end. And so I also think there's something to the fire of burning a tree, burning a plant that is like kind of symbolic mm-hmm. and wasteful, right? And then there's a torn and dirty yellow rag. And mm-hmm. so oh, it's just the imagery of him like, oh, I mean, so what are the Atreides colors? I think it, oh, green black, and black. Black and yellow. Yeah, green and black. That was it. I don't think they use yellow, do they? No. I don't know why we have a yellow rag, but I don't know. He, he dips down. He's going down just immersed in like seeing water. When he comes up, he sees a dead body, a burnt he tree, and a torn That's a good point. Like, like, he sees reality. Well, I mean, that's a good uh, 
good metaphor for the Jahaj. He sees sort of like yeah, yeah. He sees sort of like the mysticism behind it and like the impossible and like what can I see? But it, like it almost sobers him going in, coming up, and he sees the reality of things around him. Yeah, I love because he does say he uh, he was cured of the jihad when he came out of that. Yeah, he or no, healed of the jihad. I don't think you said. know what. Like I read this multiple times. I was trying to like make sure I was prepared for this chapter, but you, I think you described this to me in such a way just now that it gives me such an appreciation for Farouk's experience there. He's our wounded warrior. He is. Yeah. Of like, that's why I'm so glad we did carry him through the first book. I'm like, we get to get here. And this is something that, like, if you went four years, maybe you didn't pick up Dune, you know, when it first came out, you might breeze right past us. You might not remember Farouk was sweeping all those steps that you walked on. <laughs> uh, but he was there the whole time. Now, he turns slowly. Uh, he stares into Saitel's eyes. And he tells him, the universe is unfinished, you know. And then, like, then hits Sidetail, like, oh, this one is garrulous, but deep. <laughs> and he's like, uh, damn, I can see it made a profound impression on you. And, you know, the sea taught Farouk something. It, it disillusioned him. And now Farouk continues his story, where he tells him the mother of chaos was born in the sea. Oh, and I'm like, I love that. It's just a good Bene Gesserit line. I'm yeah. like, oh, I, the sea and chaos are perfect metaphors to go together. Uh, a Kizara Tafweed stood nearby when I came dripping from the water. He had not entered the sea. He stood on the sand. It was wet sand. With some of my men who shared his fear, he watched me with eyes that knew I had learned something which was denied to him. I had become a sea creature, and I frightened him. The sea healed me of the jihad, and I think he saw this. Now, oh. turning into a creature, I obviously reflect right back to Stilgar. Right. Yeah. And you're seeing a priest of the jihad essentially watch someone get cleansed of the jihad. It's like Paul's thing. Like, I've just seen like a man turn into a creature. But, like, yeah, in in sort of the reverse, right? Or, or I guess in the same sentiment, but, like, where Paul was so sad to see that one be a creature. Do you it's think really almost of jealousy? Well, I think it's sort of the opposite. Like, the priest sees him become a sea creature, but really, uh, Farouk was free at that point, mm -hmm. right? Like free. He, he was truly a Fremen. He was truly a Fremen, yeah, even though he's wet as can be. I love that. Yeah, I think I think that's what it was. Where like just the difference of a thing where Paul was so sad to see that person caught. This person is so sad to see someone the free from the net, right? Because right? he wants them part of this religion, yeah. part of this uh, whatever this order is that gives him. He's power. part of the Kizarat. Yeah, yeah, which we definitely like. We sort of talked about briefly in the prologue. Yeah, I I mean, it's just your basic church hierarchy. Right. Where we're going to view all the people inside of it as somewhat corrupt or, like, disingenuous mm -hmm. in their purpose. Because the person at the top of the pyramid doesn't give a shit about it. Yeah. Like, Paul's not a god. Paul doesn't believe he's a god. Everyone below him I, does. Oh, man. I wonder how old Paul's going to be. Slash how he's going to reign for. Because I don't know if the attempt of like breaking him and ruining him is going to work or not mm -hmm. him being emperor for a long time is not good i mean even like what you just said though contingent of if this uh plan uh fails or succeeds like 
Paul's probably still emperor. Do you even mm. have, do you have a broken mad emperor or like a sane kind of crazy emperor? Because it doesn't. Oh either way, it doesn't seem like Paul's yeah, that's right. Because Paul's I, not doing well. I always forget because I always want to assume it's an assassination attempt. It's not. It's just to break him and take control of him. Yeah, that's the great point. And it's I, it's a matter of who gets control at the end. I love that uh, guys Helmaheim still in on it. it's like you're not gonna get anywhere. <laughs> like you've already <laughs> lost this race, hon. Oh, but she. I mean, Edric might have a chance, though. Yeah, of, of all people who's not in this race, Edric is not in the race. <laughs> this is between Gaius Helen and Sightail. In well, my book, obviously, Sightail's the only one that has a real chance. I mean, and Gaius Helen. You don't think Gaius Helen has a chance? Absolutely not. No. I think Paul r- hates her with a passion. Oh, he hates but what machinations, Mike. All right, you think nah. Sightail's? He's. Got I think Sightail's got a lock and key. All right. I love it. Who are you going to trust? Guys, Helen Mahayam or Duncan Idaho? Oh, always Duncan Idaho. But what if Duncan Idaho had metal eyes? Wait, no, he doesn't. Wait, who's he going to... Would he impersonate the sun? No. Oh, for like... He's not not a face dancer. I wouldn't even like like humor you with that uh, aspect. He won't be impersonating anyone. He will be Duncan Idaho. Okay, okay. Um, Let's carry on. Because uh, now, abruptly, we're cutting back to the original topic Farouk uh, says he was there for. And that's the Emperor's Keep, right? And uh, Farouk is going to tell him. I'm sorry, that Sightail is there for. I just said Farouk. Was yeah, there yeah, for. yeah. Tail is there. Really, they're we're both there toasty. for. It's fine. Yep. Uh, Farouk tells him that there's no way into the Emperor's Keep. Every gate is guarded. And Sightail's like, that's exactly why we might be able to get into his Excellent. keep. And now they like, assume they're safe. Yeah, I'm like. Okay. Like, that's a, really, that's what we needed? That's a very Frank Herbert take on his plot. So, but I mean, it kind of, because Paul's relying on absolute, in a way, Paul did tell us before that absolutes are your greatest weakness, mm-hmm. right? That can't be. So they all assume it's perfectly protected. We're going to try to find a way to get around it. Maybe that is our their greatest weakness. Now, the Battle Set song is over, and Sightail's like, ooh, I don't, recall when it actually ended right Ooh, i didn't actually hear that last that's note disheartening. that's a little weird but that also is like him being like ah that was the distrans because Sightail is aware he has components in him he is a human distrans yeah he's got or the message it's human as benedict are. Yeah, yeah, yeah and uh he was still human he's a willing participant in this to be like i don't know what message would just encoded in me but i'm gonna find out yeah yeah <laughs> like, he's kind of ah oh, you know he just has a little, a little sense of adventure like yeah or all the dice of like this is, yeah. this is how you live guys but I love it. Uh, he's filled with unknown words that will be triggered at the right moment. Anabod. Adab? Very, yeah, Adab. Adab. Abad is the eyes. The eyes, yeah. And which is what I confused when I think we yep, brought that up yep, in the glossary yep. game. Um, yeah, very similar too, right? In yeah. the, how the mechanism works. There's a trigger and it's going to just happen. Um, but we know this is actually a neural response. Like it's on a loop in his mind that is constantly right. triggered for how the um, distrans work. Uh, Sightail is somehow the focal point of conspiracy. It seems like he knows every cell and every member, right? More than anybody else does. I mean, I think at a point, that's why we're also following him. Definitely. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Why Frank's giving us this insight. And uh, he's so good because this is the thought he has, Mike. With this information, they could brave Arrakis 
capture a sandworm. Begin the culture of melange somewhere beyond Moadib's writ. They could break the monopoly as they broke Moadib. They could do many things with this information. Double dip. Let's get some melange. Let's just like create a worm off world. That's all. That's that's Honestly, his goal. That's the money. I think uh, getting Moadib under your thumb might be secondary to that objective. I mean, you destroy the absolute like economy and power that the emperor holds in a way. Yeah. Because like you, no, crip, you cripple him. No emperor had absolute control over spice mm-hmm. beforehand. Like Shadam loved his spice, and he like really wanted the spice hordes. But like Paul has absolute definitive control over it, and because of that, he can control the guild and the Bene Gesserit. He can control everyone. Exactly. If we change that now, all of a sudden. The Bene Tlaxlu can control the guild, can control the Bene. Clearly, it doesn't give the Bene Gesserit control. It's like, we don't need an just, emperor. We just need the worms. Yeah. It's, oh, it comes back down to the spice. Spice uh, spice must flow. Oh. Like Now, uh, the youth plays some Muta music now. Or, I'm sorry. I'll be clipping one thing here. Farouk tells him that the woman is here. This is new to us, right? Yeah. I'm just like, excuse me? Uh-huh. And... Uh, the youth plays some Samuta music, and she emerges like a moth to the flame because she is the drug addict that is in the yeah. house. She's the one that is addicted, and this is Otham's daughter, and she was addicted to Samuta so that the youth could seduce her because he has no eyes, and she wouldn't love him otherwise. But the tragedy of it all is that she is now a shell of a person because of her addiction to Samuta music. Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's a really fucked up love triangle here. Awesome's next door now. His daughter is having memories implanted in her somehow through the Samuja music. That isn't really made clear to me. It's like, oh, like, oh my God, the entire situation is so fucked. I don't even know where to begin. Yeah, so the family, Awesome's family doesn't know. They think she's just in love with this blind man for like... Out of like she's adamantly in love with him. She's a bad ferment. <laughs> she's just been drugged though. It is intoxicated every time she's over here. She has no real memory of what's going on. Farouk just wants his boy to be happy. I mean, she's essentially just being date raped. Yeah, yeah. She yeah, in a really classic Frank way, she's completely disregarded in this scenario. Oh my god. Of as like a purely an object. And we give more concern to how Otham's family feels than to what's happening to this woman. Because, I mean, Otham's family doesn't even know what's going on. Right. They think the she's fact doing that it. Farouk's on board for that, too. It's just like, what? That's what it is. Yeah. Just saying, Farouk is Farouk. doing, Farouk. doing Never meet all your of this. Never meet your hair, Derek. <laughs> well, how dare you? <laughs> yeah, he's doing it for his son, though. But it's no different than what Jessica was Should doing. Should stayed for- off world. <laughs> he is honest about that. Yeah, nothing good happens here. It's almost probably for the best it all comes to a close when the chapter does. Yeah, I that's, I think that's what it uh, comes down to. Like, I don't feel so bad about it. Really? Because we do kidnap the girl. Her life gets dramatically worse. I think worse. she was a part of this plan for longer, though. But not because she chose to at any point. Oh, God, you're that's right. That's my point. Oh, Now, Farouk is asking... Uh, what will become of this girl? He's asking uh, Sytale this because mm-hmm. his son wants to know because his son does love this woman. He didn't know. I don't, or I'm assuming mm-hmm. that he didn't know her mind was going to be like, 
wiped with him. So right. I think it was desperation that drove him. Sure, but I mean, definitely, but it doesn't change the fact that like what he's doing is morally just no, wrong. No, not more. Not trying to morally. I'm just trying to say I think all of them wanted to get to a happy ending. And didn't see the tragedy that would befall right, all right. of them. But like, I guess even uh, in their attempt for a happy ending, it's like, was it really gonna be happy? Like, no, well, no, no, like, never. yeah, exactly. <laughs> My point is just like, as soon as you had that thought, you were fucked from the beginning. Yeah, and I, I love that. So Farouk's like, "How's how? What will happen of her?" And Sidel's like, "Anyone else in this house?" <laughs> She's like, <laughs> "Like, who else no, is here?" No, no, we're all here. I don't know door, why doors are locked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. No one's gonna be here in the morning, right? You don't have cleaners. <laughs> funk, funk, and he's got these awesome little dark guns up his wrist, Mike. And this, this is the one thing Frank keeps. When the fr- when the Tlaxlid come back in a few books, Mike, they still got these wrist launchers. And I love their fucking wrist launchers. <laughs> They're so fun. So it shoots a needle a little from, dark. like beneath the sleeve. Yep. Pinpoint accuracy. This yeah. guy is good. Oh, dude, they they train. Uh at least he's so precise about these fucking darts later on. Yeah, the guy spends like weeks in a room just shooting darts by himself to learn. Uh, and it's just like the smallest nerve reaction that makes it go. But it goes into Farouk's neck. Farouk goes down. He gets up. He's like almost paralyzed. Him. Like he almost doesn't register what's going on. He's still oh, just staring does. in the distance. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying Sightail gets up though. He, oh, yeah. He has time to like brush himself. He just is so nonchalant. Goes over to the couple. You know, uh, the youth. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, Ezekiel is playing to this uh, awesome's daughter, the song. And he just. Dart right into Ezekiel's neck. Mm-hmm. Ezekiel's here down. As Farouk is picking up the daughter, he's like, oh, I should probably change my face. And, like, again, I'm going to say Sightail's one weakness. He does not give face uh, changing a, a lot of forethought. He could have changed it on the other side of the room. There was yeah. so much time. Like You might, you should have done it while you were looking Farouk in the eye <laughs> right. just to fuck with Farouk a little bit. But uh, he changes on and takes Farouk's appearance uh, when he's lifting the girl up. Uh, and he tells her, like, look, my son must rest. He's tired. And she's like, oh, we had such a nice talk. I think I've convinced him to get to Lexu eyes. I'd make a, uh, it'd make a man of him again. Haven't I said that to him many times? Sightail said, urging her to the rear of the chamber. His voice, he noted with pride, matched his features precisely. <laughs> this is like a, I still got it. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. It unmistakably was the voice of the old Fremen, who certainly was dead by this time. Sightail sighed. It had been done with sympathy, he told himself, and the victim certainly had known their peril. Now mm-hmm. the young woman would have to be given her chance. I the, Again, I really do think that he knew all along. He went. He marched into that one, head hell high. Yeah, I mean, oh, the conversation with the girl, even that small like a bit of dialogue it's just like none of those thoughts are your own oh i i don't know i yeah they're I, not you're right you're right yeah maybe not no wait i'm confused but, but like we know the son didn't want the eyes yeah no it's not about the eyes it's the fact that they drugged her and used this much music and they convinced her that she was in love with him even then, though she isn't. They, yeah, they yeah. Okay, okay. her. Okay. Those yeah. are not really her thoughts. Those are the thoughts that they it's, put it's into pro- her. Yeah, yeah. It's, just a, it's weird. She makes the least like, I want you to get the eyes. But again, it's because like, like, I've, like, I've, I've told genu- you that you love me. It feels genuine, but it's just so... 
Definitely. Wrong. It's twisted, yeah. And, like, this, again, I'm just bringing it back to the epigraph. It's just, like, human weapons in any facet. Talaxlu. That's why I want to. Yeah. emotional. Like, this is all just so... Well, you just, can't regulate no, it. But you the, can't track the, it. The face dancers are a kind of human weapon. Though. I mean, they are. Yeah. And, like, clearly this is one of the most lethal. Fox. So good. I love Sidetail. I like Sidetail a lot, too. And he's, like you said, he's able to just be like, man, I'm good at my job. While he's doing this really fucked up I'm procedure. disappointed in Farouk. You know, oh, wait, why are you disappointed in Farouk? Let me, let me dive he, into that. He definitely could have stopped his son. Okay, just in that respect. Yeah. Do you, are you blaming him for how we got to this position? It, well, I feel like this girl is a part of the scheme somehow. Is she not? She's or, part of the conspiracy, but hold on. I wanted to focus on like Farouk. Like Farouk and his son stand uh, separate from Otham's daughter in a lot of ways. Like what Farouk was willing to do for his son. Mm-hmm. But just in that how his son is what uh, part of what really broke him from supporting Moadib as a whole. He was cured of the jihad when he got to a sea. But his son being maimed, right, being one of the walking maimed, and he even mentioned this here. Like, well, dude doesn't even realize how many people he's probably maimed. Doesn't even remember Farouk exists. Yeah, that. So, like that, I feel like is sort of like in. I I put that to Farouk's side of like I get how you got to where you are at yeah. the very least. And now why you're turning against it to be like, we need to go back to the old ways. My son wouldn't be like this if not for this emperor and this I mean, like, non-friend. I guess I'm giving him shit, but like they were sacrificing virgins to Shia Lude on a regular basis. That's pretty fucked beforehand too. Hell yeah. And apparently we were okay with that. We just didn't know it. <laughs> so that's pre-Liet times. Pre-Liet. Uh, I guess that, that is the thing about Dune. It's just like, there's no one you can really root for. No one, well, I mean, no one's meant to be a good person. They're always meant to be people. Yeah. There's no one you can really root for in history if you dig deep enough, yeah, Mike. Yeah, no, exactly. I'm a big fan of never making a statue in the face of a person. They should only be symbolizing ideas. Yeah. Because there's no person that meets the merits to be worthy of a statue. Eventually, you dig down, you're like, oh, oh, no, he was an asshole to his mailman a few Ooh. times. Like, uh, it never adds up. <laughs> never adds up. Like we love Leto, but man, the way he treats his uh, how he treats his servants, I'll never forgive him for that. He slammed the door, Mike. <laughs> he didn't have to do that. No man needed to do that. Oh my god! Uh, as we get to the end of that chapter, is there anything else you want to throw on our uh, no, our dirge to Farouk, I, if you will? Our dirge to Farouk. Uh, Farouk, I loved you, man. Cheers uh, once to you. Bitter end, but. See you off in the erg. We'll celebrate all of our champions of the jihad as they pass. Oh, my God. How many more are there? I don't know, Mike. <laughs> what <laughs> was that? I think I got what are least, you talking about? I got at least one more in the chamber for sure. For oh my sure. God. All right. Let's pay some chum taxes. Let's do it. All right. Sweeping things under the rug, Derek. <laughs> Brooks had his final moment <laughs> here. Like, what are we talking about? <laughs> uh, so we know that he was uh, a partner in this conspiracy. Mm-hmm. We know that now this 
Otham's daughter is in some facet. Yeah. But you know what? There's another partner in the conspiracy. Yeah, the Bajaz, the Catalyst Dwarf. Yeah, and okay. Audible. Audible! <laughs> and right now, they're offering our listeners a free 30-day trial when they visit audibletrial.com slash SpiceWorldPod. Ooh, what can they do with that? Well, when they sign up, they get one credit they can use to pick from one of thousands of titles, like Dune. Of course. My first audiobook. And if they sign up with their Amazon Prime account, they get two credits instead. Ooh. So they can pick up Messiah along the way. Yeah, why not? Exactly. Listen along with us. From then on, they'll receive an additional credit each month to help them build an amazing audiobook library. Can't go wrong there. They can't, but Derek, what are you listening to right now? You and I are both Audible fans. Huge Audible diehards here. And uh, so I had one, I've been wanting to do this for so long. And last year we went camping and our friend Colburn had this book. Hyperion by Dan Simmons. Yeah. And Coburn is a big Dune fan. Oh yeah, yeah. He's uh, we talked about much of when we first started. He made a he made a Dune uh Dune song. He does a lot of synth work. He builds his own th- synthesizers. Oh, got a and, platform, Mike. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> totally I, I'll just about. tell him like by the way we posted this. <laughs> well, I was super jealous because he was finishing Hyperion and he didn't go hiking with us so he could get to the last chapter. I was like, oh, let me know how it is. And he told me it was great. So, so Oh, yeah. yeah, so he didn't go hiking just to finish that book. Because he was so enraptured by well, the last one. Tell like, me, Derek. How it, good was it? Is that worth it? It was so worth it. So I picked it up, Hyperion by Dan Simmons. And it is set up like the Canterbury Tales, where it's these uh, seven pilgrims on this journey. And each of them takes some time during the night to share their tale of why they're there. And through these tales, you kind of, and there's only six tales from the seven pilgrims. Dun, dun. <laughs> you get to slowly piece together oh. this really pulpy science fiction world that has a lot going on. There's AIs, there's teleporters. Each one is a marvelously different story. I, I, let me give you the names actually over here. I got the priest tale, the man who cried God, the soldier's tale, the war lovers, the poet's tale, the Hyperion Cantos. The Scholar's Tale. Oh, this one's actually kind of lame. Riverless Taste is Bitter. (laughs) (laughs) Detective's Tale, The Long Goodbye, and The Consul's Tale, Remembering Siri. Now, Damn, wait, Remembering Siri? Siri, not that Siri. (laughs) Uh, It's so cool. It's got all the best bits of sci-fi in it. It just stood up to the test of time. That's Hyperion by Dan Simmons, and it turns out to be the first, uh, it's four books ultimately that you can go through. That is actually amazing. That's going on the list. But Derek, yeah, hold up. Yeah, oh, 30 days are up. What if you don't like it? So this was pretty awkward for me. I got an invitation. It was to go to an old friend's house. And I went there and I was like, all right, look what's going on, buddy. He's like, come here, come with my kid. And his kid, no eyes, Mike. And they just start <laughs> playing a song saying like, you have 30 days and you can quit or else I'll charge you. But you didn't know until no, the song finished. I killed everyone in the house, Mike. Oh, God. Like, You're not going to get me twice, Audible. <laughs> Oh my god. But that's how they're doing it now. They give you a 30-day uh, courtesy. Are you sure they're not just giving you a courtesy email if you don't want to continue? Was that all the song was about? Oh my god. There, we're going to need to lie low for a while. Just, just cut this one short, Mike. If you don't want to continue, that's fine. You still get to keep your entire library. You can listen to all of your Audible originals, mm-hmm. all the books that you got with the free credits when you signed up, and all throughout your career. Hey, <laughs> your career. Your career yeah. as an Audible user. As an Audible listener. In the Audible Jihad. We, uh, ooh, I should probably cut that. No, no, keep it, keep <laughs> okay. it. We know you understand the value of a good book. 
Eerie Dune. We're going to help you get a free audiobook when you visit audibletrial.com slash SpiceWorldPod. So guys, head on out there. Let us know what book you do pick up with your free trial at audibletrial.com slash SpiceWorldPod. I always have fun with these, but like, <laughs> we got to go back to the book, Derek. <laughs> hey, we're at least going back to a deep dive. <laughs> All right. Mike, our deep dive. This is one of the ones, one of the, I think the last ones I really got for you, the good ones, Face what? Dancers. Yeah, uh, that's right. I forgot. Face Dancers. We already did Talaxlu. That was pretty thin. This was the good one. I wanted to wait until we had another side tail chapter, right? Yeah, and we got to see it happen. Yeah, I mean, we got to see it last time when he did it to Irulan. That was awesome. No, no, we didn't see him change, though. He changed his face, though, just to fuck with her. Oh. He changed it to Duncan, shit. too. Like, and it was just to be like, I hate you, or like, <laughs> I don't like you. Uh, That's but right. this was a good one where it's like, it had a purpose to it. It wasn't just to like show off and do something like he was doing his job mm-hmm. like he did today. So we're going to go in and break down basically the various parts of the face dancer anatomy. And I'm going to tell you how they do those chameleon oh, changes. I'm so pumped for this. We got some real, like, they thought about it. Somebody gave some uh, biology lessons to All it. All right. So first, let's get this overview here. We're jumping into face dancers. Face dancers were specialized entertainer spies from the planet Silax, the most famous of whom in Atradian times was Sightail. Because I told you. From Atradian times. Atradian times. That's that. Ooh. Oh, that's a marker, dude. Ooh. Atradian is a great one. Uh, face dancers possessed bodily adaptations and practiced uh, practiced intensive training to allow them to duplicate the personalities, voices, physical forms, and movements of others. They were regarded by the masses of the empire with a mixture of awe, admiration, and revulsion in their cover professions of dancers and mimics. Although the powerful knew how effective a force for espionage the face dancers represented, they were therefore a major arm in the enforcement of Talaxlu foreign policy. So that's basically an overview of like, yeah, what we've already established for what they were like. The way that he writes that is so interesting though. Cause I mean, it's all supposed to be like history, Mm -hmm. like thousands of years past this point. Yeah, where they're so well known at this point. Mm. Like, can you imagine a time where we didn't fully see where face dances would end <laughs> Wouldn't up? Wouldn't that be crazy? That'd be wild. Uh, so this does start off with the history of face dancers, and I've omitted the first couple paragraphs because they're everything we've covered multiple times at this point. Benny Talaxu from the planet Thalim was spared from the jihad. Okay, moving on. Well, now we get to the good stuff. Legends uh, from almost mythical times tell of shapeshifters, the werewolf, the loop guru. But if we discount these stories as baseless, then the first face dancers were those produced by the Talaxlu in the sixth millennium. So I love that, like, we're going to look at all these myths. We need to discount them because the only one we can prove is the face dancer. All these visions of nightmare past, this one is real. Now, they appeared as entertainers, Mike, in the court of Corin, uh, Corin the ooh, 14th in the year 5,122. So, okay. this is that troop of actors that they were the basis oh, of. Oh, my God. The Inception. <laughs> yes. Apparently, these first face dancers were little more than exceptionally skilled mimics with remarkable body control. 
very crude artifacts compared to their successors. Nevertheless, some students of the period believe that they accomplished their purpose with skill. The historian C. Suf Millar has argued that the face dancers were conspirators or hirelings in the plot to assassinate Corin the Fourteenth. Oh, so things even already their yeah. first, I mean, like, their first role they're meant for. Yeah, it was like, and they were assassins. Won't you like to see this play, Emperor? <laughs> yeah, oh, what's that play that uh, Lincoln got shot at with like my cousin? Oh, I don't even remember. Actually, honestly, I don't remember the play it was at. Uh, it was called Our American Cousin. Our American Cousin. Yeah, I was glad I remembered it. But so the Landsrad discovered their involvement. But the great houses, fearing complete obliteration of technology as much as the Talax did, uh, uh, and this is the uh, that historian Mylar conjectures, they kept their findings secret. Oh. So they found out that troop was going to assassinate the emperor? And they're like, okay. So whatever happened. Take a step back. Yeah, exactly. And whatever warnings they sent to the Talax, Lou, if any, is not known. Like, whatever happened here, everybody just stood down. Well, no, I think the thing is, they probably didn't send any warnings. They probably, like, this is beneficial for us. We're just going to let it happen. But now we have information that these No, people... no, so that, that, yeah, that emperor wasn't assassinated. Oh, he wasn't. Right. Oh. So the idea is, like, did we either, did the Landsred warn somebody and we removed the threat beforehand? We're like, what went down here? Was oh. the emperor able to figure it out? Okay, I misread that. Now I'm so confused. Because like they, it was just a plot to assassinate that was revealed. And oh, then they say, okay. so did the Landsred tip somebody off? Did Talaxlu pull them back because the Landsred told them? Basically, no one wanted Talaxlu technology to not be available. Okay. And we don't know how far any party was willing to go for that. In the centuries that followed, the face dancers used their role of traveling entertainer to great advantage. The cost of a troop of dancers was astronomical, and their appearance at state occasions was the mark of the most conspicuous consumption. There can be no doubt that the face dancers were marvelous performers. As a few surviving minifilms show, uh, they were therefore valuable to Tlaxlu as a rich source of foreign currency. Yet no one supposes that monetary considerations were ever primary in decisions to let the face dancers travel. For the face dancers were the most competent intelligence gathering network the Imperium ever endured. So like, let alone, we still let the plays go around, but we all know the slacks are just pulling in information everywhere yeah. these people go. And I think this kind of touches on, like, whatever you think that Simpatico is. Like, how much memory can they lift off of somebody? Or even if you knew, like, what somebody's intent was. Right, right. Could I you think, extrapolate honestly, like, like that? The physical ability to change is amazing. But, like, I guess also, like, it can, I mean, like, that's something that can be engineered, maybe. Like, that definitely has, like, some sort of, like, uh, um, execution to it. Mm-hmm. Where being able to see someone and read them and, like, take in all of that information, I think that's the biggest weapon of all. Yeah, I, I think that is the one that you definitely reap the most benefits from. But the uh, that sheer ability 
to change your shape lets you right reap re- that harvest more efficiently. Like, right? that's it's like Benny Jesuit perception, but on a way different scale. Yeah. Honestly, better because they can like completely copy it in a way. Yeah, yeah. It, it's like uh, the Benny Jesuit are willing to acknowledge how across the line that is to do. Yeah, like, we would never, you know, I bet go they, into I bet your mind. At the point where, like, I bet if we tried, we could do that, but we're not going to because it's just wrong. In the same way, like they could procreate uh, with artificial right. insemination, they but they live won't ever because someone out there has, and I know yeah. they have. Yeah, I know you're out there, woman. <laughs> Reveal yourself. You just want to worship and like join. <laughs> yes, may. Well, well, you just touched on them, like the abilities of the face dancers as like breaking this into a dichotomy of power. Mm-hmm. Let's go into that first half then. The abilities. In a matter of minutes, a face dancer could change his height, build, facial features, hair color, and apparent length, and even sex. He could become any individual he wished to mimic. Why did they say he in that? Oh, we're going to get to that. A master face dancer needed to see a person for only a minute to produce a rough similarity. Several hours of observation resulted in a likeness which could fool casual acquaintances of the victim. So I love that dis- casual acquaintance. Yeah, yeah, the dichotomy we're going to break up here. Given an opportunity to study the victim for several days, the dancer's likeness would be undetectable for short periods of time even by the closest of associates. So again, there's still that caveat of like, if we replace Paul, Cheney might see through it, right? In their most intimate moments. Right, right, right. But still like, hey, Cheney, I can't talk right now. I've got a big business meeting. You know, that might work. Jihad and all that. But like, you know, yeah. Yeah. So the Tlaxlu endowed the face dancers with these abilities uh, by a combination of rigorous training embryological manipulation, and incredibly delicate surgery. Although the procedures were the most closely guarded of the Tlaxlu secrets, the methods were unhidden from the prescience of Paul Moadib. Oh my god. And especially of... Oh, it just says... Oh, oh the god emperor. The god emperor. Okay, we'll get to that. Uh, I want to know their name know so, so bad. badly. It is chiefly from the notes made by the God Emperor that this ha- entry has been compiled. That was me, like, yeah, I know they wrote it. Did you almost let it slip? Almost. It was really close. <gasps> oh, God. Okay. That little primer is behind us, Mike. We can get to the good parts. The making of a face dancer. Okay. Okay. This began with the selection of breeders. Um, for the candidate, the Tlaxlu work from parents uh, with a heritage of slender build, strength, oh. endurance, fine muscular control, and a height specifically of 1.65 to 1.68 meters. Eggs That's were joined with sperm in vitro. It was very particular, right? And the process started with developing the embryo. So, Already, we have a very specific height that we want to hit. There's a lot of variables they just need to eliminate, apparently. Yeah, we want them slender. We're like, we want, we have very precise stock so, that we want to deal with. They're, I want to imagine they're like almost additive sculptors of like muscle and fat. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, it's easier to add things than subtract things. 
That is true. We're not adding muscle and fat, though, but you're on the right track. Okay. Already you've cued into, like, I think what you need to, like, if I want to make somebody fatter, like, I can't go fatter and then smaller, well, here's right? The, here's the idea, too. It's like, you could take a skeleton. Yeah. And you could make a lot of different people out of that skeleton. Exactly. Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. So, like, let's start with a varying height. From here, we break down the basic thing. The attributes are going to change is what I'm going to describe. Because ultimately, these people are human. Yeah, but specifically in how, like, remember that thought Sightail had of, like, I have nerves you don't even know about. Right, the right, guy right. is telling Yeah, muscles that's what we're talking yeah. about entirely. All right. These are the extra muscles I'm just, and I'm nerves. I'm just pumped. So continue, I'm continue. Just, no, I'm glad. Uh, so varying height. At the ninth week of development, Mike, the Tlaxu technicians, they come in, and they intervene chemically to produce an abnormal overdevelopment, overdevelopment of the muscles of the back by stimulating growth. And this produces uh, produces an unusually elastic invertebral discs. So your spinal column is oh, very elastic. Got a little, so you can give adjust, to it. So you can adjust your height. So I was like, yeah, you can grow uh, and shrink oh, a little, little bit. Oh. The adult face dancer, by stretching the back muscles, could increase his height by a maximum of about 15 centimeters. By constricting the same muscles, the disc could be squeezed and reduce the height by about uh, seven to eight centimeters. So that's a good wow. variation. Like, so that's why they need that specific height. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why they want that one to start with. Right, right. We're, I think we're going for like medians, right? right? I want your baseline to be the average of average. Sure, you should sure, be sure. fucking vanilla of people. Mm-hmm. Um. These changes could be maintained for some hours, but not indefinitely. So this should go counter. There are weaknesses to these people. Oh. I mean, Mike, that's you're like flexing that whole time, right? To keep right. yourself lower oh, yeah. or on the higher extreme. Yeah. So even the strongest of dancers needed to relax bus, uh, back muscles several times a day. All right. So that's our height. We get that one out of the way. It's mainly to do with your spinal column, all right? So that means your hips are also not moving really. Do you think there's a heavy masseuse economy for that? Uh, there's going to be a lot of things that relax need. <laughs> We're going to get into why they don't play football. <laughs> so, varying body size, Mike. Uh, the ability to, this is going to be what we just touched on with uh, being like heavier, wanting yeah, to be yeah. starting with a skeleton. Uh, the ability to vary apparent body weight uh, was a much more complicated matter. As mentioned above, face dancers were bred for slender, almost frail body types. When they needed to impersonate more robust, uh, say, Harkonnen victims, they uh, made use of structures already present in the normal body. The Salomic Sacks. Adult? Yeah, what? What is that? (laughs) Uh, Adult humans have four Salomic Sacks. And so this is going to get a little more technical than I know how to go into, but I love this description they have. These may be pictured as closed, deflated balloons within the body cavity, surrounding but not containing the inner organs. If one were to drape a large deflated balloon over one's fist, it can be seen how the balloon, the sac, can surround but not contain the fist, a.k.a. the organs. So, in your body, where you have the cavities where your organs are, we just have, like, a tissue that surrounds it. like a diaphragm kind of thing. Uh, well... No, your diaphragm is like... Uh, yeah, but for your all of your organs. Yes. Yeah. So you have like one in your upper cavity where your lungs yeah. are. There's one in your lower cavity. And uh, there are a few others, I guess, that we're alluding to in here that just get... 
The Tlaxu, uh, they take some liberties uh, where these are. <laughs> How many liberties? Quite a few. Um, let me go with the first one. So in the face cancer embryo, the pericardial sac, so that would have to do with your heart, cardial, okay. uh, was caused to migrate upward to a position beneath the skin of the neck. Now, because oh. you're going to change that shape there. Like, they're going to move these, and basically, you're going to actually, what is a basically a static uh, layer for us, we turn into an inflatable sack in these right. Um So they've got bladders within them, basically. Exactly. And the plural sacs retained their relative positions, but were caused to develop outside rather than inside the rib cage. So again, like uh, okay. what we're thinking, keeping in those organs, we're oh, moving to, to the outside to emulate fat. To exactly, yeah, to push your sides right. out because you need it outside the bone right, structure, right, right. right? Like what you were touching on. Uh, after puberty, when the face dancer had attained maximum growth, tubes of artificial tissue were implanted, connecting <gasps> the respiratory system to the sacs. So they, oh my God, they are balloons. They literally fill them with air. Literally, but I love that they use artificial tissues, make the tubes too. Yeah. But so now the, they have extra muscle, extra whole systems, Mike, that just aren't human. Yeah. That they are trained from the get-go to manipulate and move. Oh, um, that's so cool. And in order to move those, you're going to have to have new nerves put in place too. Yeah, I mean, we can assume to that extent. It's like, well, I mean, you can't move the muscles if you don't have the nerves to sure. do so. And they just have such control over all. That's just the one thing they don't hone in on to tell me about. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's so cool. So all these tubes have valves that are naturally set to be closed. And um, it's by muscular action they can turn them to open. So he's, oh. That he actively can choose because it's a very conscious effort to change your shape. I like to imagine that all face dancers, they're not only capable of that Benny Jesser perception, but they're artists in their own right. Oh, they got to sculpt their body. Like I, I think instant. more so more, more of that second than the first. Yeah. They are artists. Definitely. And I think they would view themselves as such. Like being as able how, to make a perfect replica yeah. on like very little information. Oh, it's so good. Like, I mean, you just saw an artist pat himself on the back when he got the yeah, voice. Exactly. It was like, it was like good oh, job. Oh, well, that, no, it was not like, I'm going to get even, the Oscar this year. It wasn't even the year. body. It was just the fact that, It like, was just the I, voice. I nailed the voice on that. Well, it's like, no, that's how good he is. No, 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 no. The voice matched no. the body. Yeah. So it was both. Oh, it was both. Okay. It, he, good good he, catch. He good grades catch. his work very thoroughly. Oh, my God. But it wasn't... It was definitely an actor caught up in himself. Uh, <laughs> I, think, I think that's true. <laughs> now... He could, uh, like I said, he could open these valves with muscular action and uh, he can close them. And it pumps air from the lungs into these expanding sacs, much as uh, one might puff into one's cheeks. Uh, when the desired size has been achieved, the valve's muscles were relaxed and the valve closed, trapping the air inside the sacs uh, until the time when the dancer decides to inflate them, or deflate them, rather. And pumping varying amounts of air into the plural sacs alone gave an accurate appearance of breast of the desired size. So it's part of the ones that right. they move outside the ribcage. That's how they manipulate sex. Uh, or perceived sex or actual sex. Well, no, all their, the breasts have no function. They're only there as like uh, a physical attribute. 
Right, right, right. He can just inflate the size of him, but there's no nipple. There's no, like, uh, milk gestation or anything I mean, like that. There would be a nipple regardless, right? There might not be with these guys, to be oh, honest God, with really? you. Oh, God, really? Yeah, yeah. I guess there probably is, but they're sterile males, ultimately. They genetically engineer their nipples away? I, I, I mean, you don't need them. I guess not. I mean, we don't need them either, but we still have them. Right, but these guys have the options, too. <laughs> <be> like, <laughs> I'd like the nipple as package, please. Cut it. Uh, now, as a side note, it might be mentioned these extra air chambers gave the dancer an advantage in the water. Their increased buoyancy uh, of the trapped air made the dancer uh, unsinkable. I believe it. Hilarious to be like Salem witch trials <laughs> ahead of your time, my friends. Ahead of your times. That is gold. <laughs> so the sacks, uh, when inflated, they would increase the apparent body size of the face dancer. Uh, similar small pouches are artificially produced within the layers of the cheek muscles performed by the same uh, disguising function for the face. So again, we have other kind of facets within us. We can do smaller changes too, right. essentially. Right? So like adult humans have four, but the face dancers, they have to have so many to get all those unique angles and like musculature. You know, I bet. Probably as, one over every muscle, to be as honest. As the designs go forward, it probably gets more and more elaborate. Mm -hmm. But it seems like at least to say we just have, I think we have two for the cheeks. We got two in the chest, two on the side. I'm willing to bet there's there. even more than that though. Who knows? I've, I've, I want to say like one per muscle. Ooh, that'd be, I want a one-to-one. One. Uh, the overdeveloped muscles along the spine gave a permanent appearance of obesity from the rear, and the size of the arms and legs can be increased somewhat through controllable uh, edemas. That's like uh, in your veins. It's uh, tiny blood vessels in your bodies. It's when they are leaking fluid. So he would be able to like control that aspect of him. To like imagine like an area... Um, you know, when, like, you get a kind of a wound and it's sort of, like, uh, inflating with infection? Okay, yeah. It'd be like that. Of, oh. like, the blood cells leaking out of it kind of deal. Oh, like, so for, like, that, that again control. That, yeah, yeah, that, like, oh. that fluffiness of, like, yeah, of the skin. That's so weird. It's, uh, like, old E-D-E-M-A-S. Uh, although the, the, the functioning of this last effect is not fully understood, nor was it as swift and as reliable as the others. So, like, using that slight leaking through your veins to fill something up. Jesus. Oh, shit. That's so cool that they have that precise, though. Could uh, you emulate, like, uh, makeup and stuff at that point, then? Probably. Or, like, add a little blush there. Yeah. Oh, definitely maybe controlling a flushing of the yeah. cheeks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Especially if they need to do for seductive reasonings. So, within changing, though, your body size, this becomes another weak spot. Much like how I told you uh, dunking them in the water, the Salem Witch Trial will reveal them. Yeah. If they change their weight to look more robust, if you happen to have a scale on the floor, it'll still weigh the same. It'll always weigh the same. Oh. A classic trick you can always get them with. So no matter what they want their weight to see, if they want to look 120 kilograms, they might still only weigh 60 kilograms. That's really clever. A great little catch. Good job, author yeah yeah definitely um and so this gets to uh the use of the salomic sacks proves that the tlaxo are all sterile males because mm -hmm. in normal females the uterine tubes open into the peritoneal sac wait 
So their uterine tubes would interject with one of the sacs that we use for inflating and deflating within the body so it can't be the female because their biology... So they're all born as hermaphroditic males? They are all sterile males to start with. That's the point. Wow. Okay, so that's why it says he... And that well again that's like, gonna be our that's gonna be our split between what Frank told us, what the encyclopedia tells us, and then what Frank decides later on. Oh, so it's gonna it might change then. That's well that's why there's no consensus. Or gotcha. why I don't think we're ever gonna nail this down entirely. Like Interesting. who is Sidetail? It doesn't really matter. Uh just know that he is like All as know fluid is like, as anyone can be. Sidetail has Sidetail's own uh yeah. objective in mind. But like Really cool, right? Oh, uh, that's really interesting. Let's get even more intricate, Mike. Varying the face. That's okay. got to be the hardest to do. He does that to the a face, T. The face has several t- minuscule muscles in it. This starts off with like manipulation of the facial features was the face dancer's most striking ability, if not the most complicated technically. Oh, I bet, yeah. Right? So... To work with this, we gotta we gotta start from the get go. Bones of the skull, Mike. They come from two sources, and it is a specialized layer of embryonic cells called the mesenchyme. It differentiate differentiates into two separate little categories: cartilage that will become bone, and this uh, thick membrane kind of structure that will also be replaced with bone. That's oh. gonna be on your skull. Remember how you have that soft spot in your skull? Takes yeah. a couple years for it to really get uh, yeah, all yeah. sold up. This is why they can't play uh, uh, football. Replacement of the membrane is not complete in the normal human until the sixth year. Face dancers receive injections shortly after birth that slowed and eventually stopped ossification. That's going to be like the turning into bone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, they simulated the replacement of the membrane by muscle-like tissue. So instead of it turning to bone, it turns to muscle. We're converting it into oh, something entirely. Shit. Because we want it to expand and contract, right? We want right, to change right, right. the shape of it. It can't be static. Uh, local or later localized injections reverse the cartilage to bone process in limited areas. It's like oh my god! Complete manipulation of this process. These areas softened into cartilage cells called uh, chondroclites, ch- chondrocytes, enclosing uh, masses of disconnected chondrocytes and organic salts. In place of certain facial bones. The face dancer had envelopes of elastic cartilage filled with a material of a putty-like consistency. Of a what? Putty? P- putty. Like, that's how malleable. You know, cartilage is already soft. But literally like, sculpting. Like, like, yeah, literally sculpting. Literally just silly putty in his face. So if you in punched like a face dancer, you would see your, like, fist <laughs> embedded in their face? <laughs> I love that. Just like it's like off to the it's side. It's very cartoon, like Acme style yeah. Looney Tunes. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think. Oh God! This specialized cartilage also replaced the normal material of the nose and ears. Oh God! It would. It would. Yeah. Oh, oh man. During the years before puberty, uh, exercises allowing for the differential stimulation of the muscles of the face were performed daily. 
of course, these exercises were not unique to face dancers. And uh, then it just goes ahead and references the Bene Gesserit and how Hara saw Aaliyah doing the practices outside. They're just mimicking that school's basically train of thought. But the face dancer, I think, must go through even more, like, because what Aaliyah's doing is natural, to the very least. They're all muscles that she has. Right. These are muscles that shouldn't exist, like the back of your, you know, your skull. How long does it take to, like, gain, like, feel the control of those muscles, too? I mean, I, I don't think it's a matter of how long, because they're never, you don't know anything else. No, no, well, maybe. But you get what like, I'm saying? You're not born with those muscles. It's like, kind in a way, you are though. Like you're not you're not born with that skull either. Before it can be either, we're changing it to something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I just think in the time where you, it's like you, you don't need when you're born, Mike. You figure them out because you grow them. Oh God. There's a lot of weird shit in the body that's like, that doesn't seem right. Humans are weird. Yeah, yeah. We shouldn't have floating bones. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry. No, 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 The kneecap, I'm Let's just like. Let's ban humans like nuclear warheads. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. Like stone burners, Mike. I'm going to go to the Google War College and I'm going to petition this. Thank you. I just, kneecaps are like stone burners. <laughs> All I want to say. Um, but we understand why the Bene Gesserit do these uh, trainings. We understand why the Bene Gesserit do these trainings. Mastery. Masteries of these muscles, the face dancers change such things as the size and shape of his quote-unquote cheekbones, because again, not bones, uh, as easily and quickly as one might smile. Wow. Yeah, that's how quickly he can work. Isn't it like it takes 40 muscles to smile? Um, oh, I don't know if it, I think that's the, isn't that the frown? Oh, the I frown th- is 40 I think muscles. it's like, I think it's like it's 41 like, to frown and it's like three to smile or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. right. That's Whatever right. the difference is, it's like, it's way easier to smile. Just be happy, motherfucker. You're working now, I'm harder. working out by being fucking grumpy. Fuck yeah. you. Check yourself. Um, <laughs> now, for longer lasting disguises, the face dancer working from likenesses of the victim would mold the matter within the cartilage envelopes to the desired form, which would then be retained indefinitely, barring some trauma or unusual exertion to the facial muscles. So, like, Jeez. if you knew you were going in, I'm going in deep. Like, I need to so get this face. If you, if you, you sketch do- a fake dancer, just shake it up shake, and then put it back down. down. Back to its normal form. Oh. Yeah, but well, it's saying you could set in like a permanent form, like, and it's like you're sculpting this for the long term. This Ooh. will be what you shake back to, essentially. Wow. Like, if Farouk wanted to, or um, if Saitel wanted to play Farouk for the long term, he would have like shaped all morning to be this form. And this right. is like, you know, how memory metal works. Yeah, where you heat it and it goes back to its normal form. Mm-hmm. You're like resetting its base form, essentially. It's like a, it's like a variation on tempering, right? Yeah. It's like the form that you uh, have it at when it tempers. That's the form it'll always revert to. Yeah, yeah. So, like, uh, with memory metal, specifically, it's like uh, when it uh, reaches a normal heat, I think they try to get it to be around, like, 75 to 90. Hmm. It will go to this natural shape of, like, its form. Uh, The atoms will always want to coalesce there. So, the muscles that replaced the membranes between the large bones... um, of the skull could be manipulated to increase or decrease the size of the skull within narrow limits or to change some, somewhat the shape of the skull. 
That's the skull. We've done the body. We've done some height. All right. You wanted eye. You wanted yeah. eye color. Right. Yeah. Right. We got to do hairs too, though. Hairs important. Oh, these, yeah, yeah, These yeah. are like the superficial features of the face dancer. I feel like we've done the difficult part of the transformation, changing your like actual I feel body. Like the, yeah, because you can't change their clothes, obviously. Wait, they're, uh, they can physically, but yes, they Wait. can't magically change <laughs> yeah. them. They can strip it's down. Like, it's like, how do you? Yeah. <laughs> it's the wine. It's always the wine. Uh, yeah, they, they can't do that, but everything else uh, is within it. And this is going to go over like how they like change the hair color. Because we saw Sightail do that. He was able to go black haired when he switches into the right, Duncan face. Right, right, right. Like, that's different, right? Your hair is a set and done thing. Hmm. Let's dive in. Okay. Now, the muscle covered fontanels in the skull also indirectly permitted the change of hair color. Cellular manipulation of the embryo created an increased branching of the vertebral artery. Several small extensions of this artery through the fontanels supplemented the normal flow of blood to the scalp. Early face dancers made use of the time-honored methods of hair dyes and wigs, but later master face dancers could increase the temperature of the scalp through a range of 4 degrees Celsius by consciously varying the supply of blood. These masters had no natural hair on their scalps. Instead, each follicle was implanted with a strand containing a liquid crystal, which responded to changes in temperature by changing color. What? That's freaking cool. That's really awesome. Uh, So they can grow it basically on a dime just by changing their... Right, yeah, it takes a little like So that's what Sightail is kind of focused on. He's like... Literally oscillating blood flow to his head to change the temperature to affect the liquid crystal. I thought the Benny Gesserit were in like crazy insane with their muscle. I control. think parodies of each other. Wow. The temperature sensitive part was implanted deep in the skull to protect it from ambient temperature changes. The method was almost a thousand years in development. Like a, that's how long they've been. so almost that's pretty good on millennia, Bene, Bene Gesserit a kind full of millennia to work on this like one just, thing just for hair yeah just the hair Mike just so we don't gotta buy wigs again one millennia for that like specific technology when you're already crazy technologically advanced that's just like mind numbing to think about yeah and well so what happened was uh, the early face dancer masters mm-hmm. uh, their hair color would change in response sometimes to the heat of the sun oh no of just like can you, just like comical yeah. of like you got this perfect disguise you go outside <laughs> and poof you got red hair all of a sudden <laughs> and you're just like oh. <laughs> what do they call those uh, uh, those sunglasses like uh, spectacles that change from like regular glasses to sunglasses oh, oh uh, I, I can't think of the oh. thing sure it's like uh it's like fucking transition uh transition lenses, lenses yeah 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 <laughs> I'm for your hair they got into the sun and just turns bright pink it's like you doing all right there buddy <laughs> I think it needs a little help yeah. a little bit of help um so how did, they, how did they fix that well like that the thousand years oh just yeah, like, yeah, like just basically time. <laughs> by and then we implanted it deeper in the skull and oh, okay. that seems to be what got us past gotcha. the, the temperature probably sensitive beneath, part is like a little below probably beneath like sweat glands and everything and whatever yeah i imagine maybe before the whole thing was oh my so gosh. like it seems like the sensor was outside Their the heads body are just pin cushions 
Oh, it's soft. Yeah, there's no bone in there. Yeah. It's all it muscle actually, and cartilage. It actually makes me think of a uh, hunter seeker because it's got the little crystal head and it's like the uh, width of a hair almost. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So yeah. they just got like a whole. It, what if you could? I was thinking of like a Medusa, um, kind of like fairy t- or not fairy tale, but myth with like a, a hunter seeker Medusa. Oh my god, that sounds <laughs> horrifying. Yeah, but her hair would be beautiful. <laughs> Just silken strands. Yeah. Silken strands of death, Mike. <laughs> Angel hair. Um, let's go on, though, with our, our face dancers, Mike. Face dancers could never make quick, voluntary changes in the length of their hair. However, they could give the appearance of almost instantaneous growth by still another prenatal modification. Okay. So we're going back. What did we do to that embryo, Mike? Right, what right, did right. we do? Cellular manipulation of the embryo caused certain nerves to develop as voluntary nerve cells rather than as sympathetic automatic ones. Okay. So, so like they can control this part of the body. That normally you should right. not be. This right. should be like automated uh, by part, you know parts of the brain and the nervous system. Now it's like, hey, your control, your conscious control can affect these. Okay. These were the nerves that stimulated the erector muscle attached to the root of each hair. This is going to be probably some of the, like, what a cat's hair stands up on it kind of deal. Like, th- oh. that's going to make it look like it grew instantaneously, right? Okay. Um, thus, the face dancer could cause his hair to lie flat, to stand on end, or to assume any midway position with astonishing facility. Okay. So, that means that not only can they change uh, sort of, like, the length of it. Mm-hmm. They can also change the shape of it. So if someone has a particular haircut, you can sort of make the hair stand in a particular wavy way or like just straight up Definitely. or slicked back. I, yeah, I think in a way. But like how do you go from like someone with really short hair to really long hair? Well, like they just can't do quick changes. Like otherwise they can affect it with the temperature, but it's going to be like, it takes a little bit. I need like 10 minutes of some alone okay. time. And I got I okay. to coax my hair back to a different shape. But they're like, this is just saying like on the fly though, I can make this happen if I need to for some it's reason. It's like their height. They've got like a, a, uh, a degree of variability. Yeah. I, I think when you deploy a face dancer too, you're, you're never aiming for a situation where they need to on the fly. You know, I guess that's true. Affect certain parts. Well, I mean, like, but we just saw in this chapter. Uh, but that was done for a purpose. Okay. You yeah. mean when he took on Duncan's face? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, well, not Duncan's face. When he took on Farouk's face. Same, okay. Uh, but same. Okay. Uh, that one it does make sense. Yeah. yeah. The Irulan one was definitely a taunt her. You're right. This was done. I had to do this to get this kind right, of right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But in a pinch, it does help. True. I can't Although, uh, maybe he went in, I think he went in knowing this was going to have to happen. So maybe he took. No, yeah, but it's still the point of like yeah. that he needs to do it on the fly. Yeah. That, that you're dead on with that of like bringing that place piece in. This continues on. The erection of the hair gave an immediate impression of longer hair and stimuli to patches of the scalp could make the hair look freshly cut, well-trained or unruly as desired. So think in the same kind of effect too, you could make yourself look disheveled if you need to like blend in with the oh. riffraff maybe. Like, oh, I need to look like... Oh, you would lose the face dance in a crowd. Oh, I think, I would hope so. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now, quick changes of eye color could be achieved only by the use of colored contact lenses. That's, okay, wait a second. Of all the things... Yeah. Uh, better prepared changes in eye and skin color were produced over several days by stimulating the production of hormones from the pineal and pituitary glands uh, to disperse or concentrate melanin in pigment-containing cells 
or to break down the melanin to melanoid, uh, leading to a yellowish tint to the skin. Okay, so they're, sort of, they're, they're just sort of painting with, like, different shades again, to get the well, desired Yeah, yeah. and again, this is just telling you, like, if you really quickly got to change your eye color, SOL. You can't do it. Uh, but here's the thing. But, he did have to do that, though, in the chapter. Uh, I don't know if he changed his eyes. He didn't go in with the eyes of the Abad. But when he changed to Farouk, he would have had to. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. You would hope. That girl also, though, she was high as fuck. High as fuck. <laughs> like, I'm going to assume he didn't get the eye. I think he only did what he could. I don't know. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Um, I guess it, it doesn't make sense. He does say that, like, I did, I mimicked this perfectly. No, no, no. He was very proud that he did the voice to the body. Okay. That was what he really patted himself on the back for, because the voice, I think, is really what got the girl. Okay. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm saving Saitel there. Okay, it's hard. I mean, I'm just going to go with the idea that, like, she was really high on the yeah. Samuta. And it's a dark room mug. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe put a like, little hood up. Uh, still. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I also imagine he would have been a little bit shorter than Farouk. He, he could have changed that, though. He did show. I don't know how tall Duncan is to uh, yeah, yeah. Farouk, but. All right, so we got all of that. Like, let's get a little even, little uh, further down here. Okay, we've changed a lot of things. There's a big, big one uh, elephant in the room, though. Okay, sex. Oh yeah, uh, that's got to be tricky to do. He's a hermaphrodite. He told us, yeah, right? Yeah, and I kind of told you not so fast. Well, they're all born male. Yeah, we have uh, the sterilized males essentially. Right, right, right. Yep, and that's yeah, it's going to be what he is. But so, how does he pull it off if he has to? Do they, like, retract it into their body? <laughs> what, Mike? Why are you being coy? <laughs> <laughs> They're dick and balls. <laughs> ah, the old mash. Or what is it? Beans and mash. <laughs> uh, let, let's see. Now, it was noted earlier that face dances were always sexually immature, sterile males, as we said. Right. The reason uh, for this were twofold. First, the long-standing stinginess of the Tlaxo culture caused its technicians to shrink from doing more than was what was required to produce an effect. Like, they're always going to do the minimum. Okay. We want to save as much as we can every time. Okay. We're very skimpy on things. Okay. But we make we make great work. They give it the old college try. This is how you get by. You protect the bottom line. <laughs> no, like, there's... Given all they got, but they're not wasting a single thing. Okay. Like, not one gene gets gotcha, like, wasted. Gotcha. Those Makes are sense. precious. Uh, it would have been no great trouble, for instance, to close the tubes in the slomic sac of females. Because, like I said, it goes into, like, their uterus was why we had to use the males. Okay. Because we end up inflating these and right, deflating right, 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 right. They can't tie into any other systems. Oh, God, yeah. So they're like, for the females, we could have just done something to it. Uh, but with the males, this step was unnecessary. Using males represented that much more saving of time and labor. Now, the second reason was even more important. You want to take a swing at what it is? I don't know. I didn't know if you just wanted to yell dick and balls again. But (laughs) 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 face dancers might be required to impersonate either men or women under conditions where the genitalia might be viewed or required to function. Hence, in the early fetal stage of the male dancer-to-be, hormonal stimulus prevented the urethral groove from closing at the proximal end. Okay. That one's a little weird for me too, Mike, but keep going. Keep going <laughs> I'm just it. like, I'm trying to follow this. Keep going. 
Basically, we're using hormones uh, to prevent the urethral groove. So it's going to be part of like, I assume we're going to the penis. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. I think this is a sort of euphemism here. I'm oh. sort of like unpacking this with you too. Okay. It's like, like, I don't know. Yeah. I, I do not know my biology that well. <laughs> now, further related uh, measures equipped the face dancer with both a small but functional penis and a functional vagina. Face dancers lacked, of course, uterus and ovaries. I'm like, I don't know if that is obvious. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> like nothing about face dancers is obvious. Yeah, exactly. So I think we, yeah, if it's going with like they get a, a functional penis and a functional vagina, yeah, I think we like sculpted that uh, urethral grove, if you will. <laughs> Do its own thing. Grove or groove? Uh, oh, groove. <laughs> urethral grove. Well, that would be a vagina. <laughs> The result of this chemical and hormonal intervention was to make the fa- face dancer operative as either sex, but still sterile. Okay. So I, there's like a huge thing within the Benetelex too, where like they protect their their genome and everything. And I think they also don't want the face dancers to reproduce. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. And like, what would that even be? How would they come up with all those extra genes? All the, yeah, I guess you couldn't either, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. None of that would pass down. Like, I, I, think it would, I think it would be a really fucked up birth. Definitely. Yeah, oh, it'd be a monster. <laughs> like, now, I, mean, I don't know about that. But no, because all of its genes are so. It doesn't seem like, like I don't even know if it would survive. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I feel like it would have the same. Oh, but no one would be able to give birth. Who the fuck would be giving birth? No one's got a uterus. What are we even talking about? Oh, yeah. No, I guess they are no, sterile in either case. There's no penises. There's nothing here. There's nothing. There's blank well, You're just saying, like, if they did, if they could. I, well, I was thinking of uh, this. The thought I wanted to get to was how they wouldn't want this cast of their people. Like, imagine if the face dancers were able to procreate and they just had their own thing. But there's so many not possibles in there. I shouldn't even entertain that notion. Right, right, right. Yeah. Moving on, Mike, because we've got one last section here. Other modifications. There other had, modifications. I, like, right, they had the audacity to cause what is other? What, what is left <laughs> in this body? Um, so as a result of their training, face dancers exercise marvelous differential muscular control and yoga-like practices endowed them with astonishing control over automatic nerves. Now, this was all augmented by surgical changes where needed. Okay. As we've gone, yeah, well, sure, we just we've sure. gone over, uh, but even apprentice face dancers were the result of an expense of, of an expensive process of adaptation and training that consumed years of intensive study. For example, as genetic castrati, so that is the plural of like castrato. All right. Okay. Because again. Everything's cut off. We got a nice high voice here. You were looking at me like, hey, you know what this means, right? I'm like, no, what the fuck? (laughs) We we, we got it. Okay, I see. Okay, Italian. The face dancers enjoyed an extended vocal range, and voice lessons alone occupied the better part of six years. Wow. Well, yeah, I mean, like, that's going to be one of the first things you notice. And I like how of all the modifications, this is the most natural of them all, right? Like, you got this range? We're going to take six years to work this one out. Everything else we did to you. and like, Well, Mike, it's like uh, you're practicing an instrument at that point. Yeah, your body. Because, like, you really need to know, like, what are the tones? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, especially if they have full control over their like vocal cords and able to change them. 
Yeah, because like, again, they're going to be doing things with their voice that no one else can do. They're going to have would. a higher and lower uh, register than most people have access to. They're going to have the full range of a human voice, mm-hmm. so to speak. Because like they're going to play all those roles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They need to be able to do every voice. It's it's very which means they also need to be able to have like the Benny Gesserit ability to be like, okay, what do they sound like? What are the tones I'm hearing? Yeah, yeah. Like, they I, have to register that in some aspect, not in the same. Uh, I guess I, I know what that, you mean. Yeah. Like, I immediately kind of want to be like, ah, not quite, but I see what you're saying. You ha- they have to have like perfect pitch. Yeah, and I just don't know if it's the same uh, methodology. Maybe not the same methodology, but like right. they still have to. I mean, for lack of a better term, they have to register who they want. Yeah, to exactly. Copy yeah, yeah. So that they can uh, like do it immaculately. Yeah, and that's simpatico. Uh, now, similar long investments of time were required to enable the phase dancer to give the appearance of youth. Or old age. Yeah. So we do six years of voice. We do six years of wrinkles. Like, <laughs> oh, no. wrinkle on, wrinkle off. <laughs> like, all day. How long does it take to become a face dancer? Well, I got 12 years so far. <laughs> wow. Well, you think, like, you're growing up, but puberty is when we do the last of the surgeries. Oh. So you're still not, I don't think we're even doing this training yet. Gotcha. Because sure, you're, sure, you're sure. not done growing. Yeah. Uh, so... You're probably talking like 24, maybe? Okay, gotcha. That seemed reasonable? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think like 20 to 30. So that means like, I guess to a point. You it's like how old they would be. Can Face dancers could potentially mimic people that are younger than them, but Definitely. only to a certain point. Uh, I think if you, yeah, I'll say yes. And I, I, like, I'm thinking they could totally. They couldn't mimic baby Aaliyah when she's going on her murder No, spray. but I'm thinking like you could make smaller face dancers and have like a whole. Like, sure child-based infer- <laughs> this, this is our kinder line <laughs> the kinder spies and I'm, but I'm sort of like what do they do as a job I, I bet there was one in the orphan room <laughs> yeah had to be smoking cigarettes in the corner that one's a little weird yeah i'll play with the car later timmy gertie always looks at that one like okay because <laughs> that one's got edge <laughs> i love it yeah I, i'm not really sure um i got one last thing here though so, but despite all the miracles of technology, the very best face dancers brought a talent to their work that training and technology could not replace, nor could breeding produce on demand. Talent is not distributed evenly across populations, and the shortage of such individuals following the ascension of the god emperor to the throne led to a notable decline of the face dancers during the later half of his reign. Such misguided tactics as... oh. Oh, that's weird. Don't you dare. I got dare. it. No. Oh, oh, my God. We were so close. It's literally the last two lines. It's blacked out. Why? What happens that the Tlaxley were doing? I hate you so Scandalous. much. Scandalous. But that's all I got on the creation of Face Dancers, Mike. We'll have to figure out what they did to the God Emperor in God Emperor, that's I guess. That's fantastic, though. Yeah. That's wild. We, I don't think we've had a deep dive quite like that for some time. I could. I mean, I I wasn't allowed to do it before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been one that I knew I was gonna, we we're gonna get to, and I, it's, yeah. I was really excited to finally do it because it's it's so weird. Uh, Frank totally backs out of most of it once we get to heretics and right, stuff. Right. But I, I love. But it. this was mainly the encyclopedia. This is oh, like, yeah. here's how we're gonna justify all of this. No, I all, think they did a great job. All the specifics. I don't think. Frank ever references how the face dancers are doing what they're doing. Right, right, right. Like, never talking about sacks inflating. Like, and all you got to know is that they're human. Exactly. Yeah. And even then, 
I don't think I don't think a, guys Helen would agree with you. <laughs> they they oh. they break some rules. They're not. Uh, it's not a natural birth. Oh, I guess that that is the big thing. By the Benedict, because we already saw, we already learned in chapter two, it's like an unnatural birth is like not okay. Like yeah. it's not great for the Imperium. Yeah, and like I and mean, Jezreel would hate it. Let alone, you know, they weren't willing to do that to make their Quisach Hadra. They could have yeah. had this all done thousands of years ago. It had to be natural for them. Mm. But I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it there. Do you have any other questions you want to throw in my face, Nancy? Did I get everything? No, I I'm actually I don't think so. I still think that the eye thing is kind of weird. I, I like think, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it's where the we'll, we'll dip back into that Farouk scene before we leave today. Okay. Okay. Uh, other than that, Mike, I think I'm think I'm willing to hand this off to you. All right. And uh, isn't it sort of Awesome's? Uh, oh, Awesome? Are you sure? <laughs> is it really Awesome? I'm pretty sure I tried it last uh, time. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's Edric's etymology on onomatology. Derek, each week I pick a name from the universe to dive into its meaning and origins. I'm going to give you the meaning of the name and see if you can guess who it is. I'm going to, like, throw rocks at the tank until the glass breaks. (laughs) 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 Yeah. (laughs) Edric falls out on the floor. He's still going to talk. Oh, he will run until his dying breath. (laughs) It's going to be like Space Odyssey. He's like, would you like me to sing you a song? Yeah. (laughs) No. All right. What do you you got for me, Edric? (laughs) All right. So the name this week. Uh, it's got a couple of different meanings, and oh. we're going to talk about that. Okay. So, uh, the name meaning of great power in the folk etymolo- uh, etymology, ruler of the world or ruler of peace, also meaning famous power. <sighs> okay. Okay. Power, fame. What do we? What do we, who do we have in this chapter, Mike? This was our our Saitel Farouk. It's Saitel Farouk. We had his son. Do we find out his son's name? No, he was a nameless. Yeah. Uh, he was the youth, the blind youth. <laughs> the blind youth. Who is? I guess he's dead. So, um, so ooh, so Otham is mentioned because he's mentioned. The, he is the neighbor. Uh, you who you you might you might do Farouk. I can't see Farouk being power though. I don't know what I imagine that one actually. <laughs> you shut <did>. your mouth. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, That's desert power if I've ever desert, seen it. Desert power. Of sand. <laughs> Um, so that kind of, was there, oh, the, you already did Duncan Idaho. Mm-hmm. We got a little Duncan Idaho mentioned in there. Now uh, I guess I, uh, I'll give you a little bit of a hint here because last time I did Duncan Idaho. Yeah. I'm not going to always use their full names because sometimes it just is made up or mm-hmm. other times it's just too long to go into. Sure. Sure. Maybe they send you down opposite roads. Right, right, right. But like I, last time I felt it was perfect to get both of those. All right. Um, I want to go with awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. He's a weird one for me, and I I don't even know what language that is actually from. Uh oh, with awesome? Yeah. Well, we're about to get into it. We're about to get into something <laughs> yes. here. So the name Vladimir. Damn you. The, that's good. That's good. You have me. You have me convinced. The old Russian form of the name Vladimir. Uh, the old church Slavonic one being Vladimir. Mm-hmm. Uh, that just means the old church Slavonic is like the original, like written language of uh, uh, Russian, like old uh, Slavic. Uh-huh. And that's like ninth century that the Byzantine mis- uh, missionaries came in and like helped sort of spread that. So the, we got two different forms, the old form, old Russian form, and then the old church Slavonic form. All right. So we got Vladimir and Vladimir. Vlod. Uh, like V-L-O-D? Volodymyr. Volodymyr. That's the old Russian. All right. But the old and church Vlad- Slavonic is Vladimir. Gotcha. 
And according to Max Vazmir, who I don't actually remember who that is, but the name is composed of the Slavic Vladi, which means to rule, and Mary, which means great or famous. All right. So hence, like, famous ruler or great ruler. Vladimir. Yeah, yeah. Now, the modern Russian forms from pre-1918, it can be a little bit different from post-1918 because of just uh, differences on how people accepted the name or, like, learned about the name. Uh, honestly, it comes down to reading oh, it's comprehension. So, so this is going to, like, all tie into Lenin? Mm, no. 1918? No. No. No, no, no. No, okay. So what's, what's like, the defining <clears throat> thing about 1918, then, for Russia and this name? I think uh, just in records and, like, we can date it back to about this year. Um, All right. I can't really tell you, honestly. Hey, mysteries are afoot, Mike. But the modern Russian forms are based on the old church Slavonic uh, rendition of Vladimir. Uh-huh. Uh, with the replacement of the last syllable, though, resulting from a folk etymological association with the word peace or world. Now, I didn't realize this was a thing. Folk etymology. Yeah, what, what does that mean? Also known as uh, popular etymology. It just has to do with... Oh, I love that. Yeah. Our etymology. Yeah. All right, I'm on board. So it's a change in a word or phrase resulting from the replacement of an unfamiliar form by a more familiar form to the person interpreting it. That's I love that. So what it could be is just like... You said this word, it sounds like like a homophone. It sounds like something that I know, but it's kind of off, but it's close enough, so I'm just going to interpret it as this. Right. Uh, one of the things we kind of came across was like the idea of like a pigeon language. This is when we were talking about the birds and brids. Mm-hmm. Uh, when two languages collide, trade is going to happen. Like if two cultures like that, right, right, right. they will find a way to communicate with each other. And when there's like a language that's sort of established in just that one area between just these two languages, it's called like a pigeon language. And it's sort oh. of like we've traded enough words so that like two fishermen can communicate enough to get like this thing, this bargain struck. And then they go about their business. Uh, and so you can see how there could be an exchange, like a cultural exchange of right. words in that scenario. But you say something in your language that sounds similar to me in mine, and it like I glue those together. And yeah, then, exactly. then your entomology gets hijacked yeah. because it meant it's, this, it meant this, it meant this. And now it just got shifted because a famous cartoon character had that Because, like, this region couldn't understand it, and it just sort of spread that way. Yeah. But, like, a good example in Dune is the Bene Tilaxu. Mm-hmm. It's because... With Benny, it didn't mean the same thing as it did to the Benny Gesserit, but people interpreted it the same way. Because it was supposed to be, I think, uh, Brotherhood? Uh, I, I, th- I I went into it in my Ix deep dive. Right, right. But are you, are you saying, like, what Frank thought they meant? What they no, no, mean in Dune? A, or What they possibly mean in Dune. In Dune, yeah. As, like, a possibility. It was Daniel's Dune Gazetteer sort of talking about, like, how this name came to mean this, or oh, be yeah. synonymous no, so, with the Benny Gesserit. So that was a, that was the actual etymology of the word in our in the in, real world. In though. our real world, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. like Frank never goes into it exactly. Like, he, Frank never goes into his shit. But <laughs> like, yeah, they go into like the Hebrew thing for uh, one of the things is like well done. Yeah, yeah. Meaning yeah. for the Bene Gesserit, their breeding line for the for the Bene Tlaxlu, their genetic thing too, where there was a genetic parallel both those groups have. And they just like link them in. It's like, that's just, I guess, well, the, then if the you're prefix you, if to you, what they do. Well, if, yeah, if you're using Bene to mean well done, we're kind of making this nod that Bene means you're fucking with genes. Right, right, in, right. A, in a kind of way. So, and that, yeah, but that's exactly how it works. It's mm-hmm. like, they just interpret it differently. It's just like, oh, you know what? I think it means this. Based off of what I know. Something unfamiliar, I'm going to redirect it to something I know. 
Um, so post-1918, uh, the spelling of the word sort of drops a little bit as well. I don't know how much you know about Russian. Probably about as much as I do. No, no, less. <laughs> Our friend Nate, though, is like, I mean. He's like fluent. <laughs> I love when Nate just starts he speaking was, Russian. He in the military to learn Russian. It's just like, excellent. I got a question for you, Nate. So there's a an alphabet symbol that looks like a little lowercase b with a line on the, the head of it. Yeah. And that's just called a, uh, a hard stop. It's just used for spelling to differentiate, like, use it in the middle of a word to say that, like, it's going to sound the same, but these are actually two different words and they're going to mean something else. The whole symbol or just that little cap on the top? The little the little cap on the top. Otherwise, okay. it is, a, like, it's a different letter in there. Sure, alphabet. sure. So does that cap move? Can you put it on other letters? I don't know if you can put it on other letters, but I... But in that, in that circumstance, yeah, yeah, yeah. it means full stop. Exactly. So okay. you could have something pronounced the same way, but in writing, it'll be put in a different part there so it would mean something else in context of conversation you'd obviously know what you're talking about uh-huh. it's like you know uh us saying like to go somewhere or i like that too same word but we know it means something completely different sure uh, i think that is also a homophone actually but um they drop that at the end of the name so that it no longer has that anymore and looking at why they say that it's pre-1918 is that's when Oh, I guess I do know the answer to your question. Aha! That's when uh, orthographic reform sort of happens within the Russian language, and they sort of, like, make some hard rules for how it works. Okay. And they notice that, like, the old spelling of it has that, and that's why they indicate that the folk etymological interpretation of the name has to be world owner or peace owner or ruler of peace or ruler of the world. Because of that symbol. Because in, of that little symbol. In there, cutting yeah. the... Oh, that is neat. It's just kind of really interesting to think about. And so post-1918, that's the way it's spelled. And that's why you have all these different meanings of what it could be. Oh, because it wasn't till then that we had the device to tell you in the word when you write it down. Exactly. Yeah. That Isn't is, that kind of cool? That is a really cool thing to, uh, to like add a feature. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't know much about language progression as it goes, mm-hmm. but I do the rough understanding that things usually get simpler. Now, this can't be 100% true because otherwise we would all just be babbling to no, each other. No, I mean, like, every language is different. No, 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 but just in general, like, it can't always be getting simpler. Otderwise we wouldn't have <laughs> complex language, <laughs> just... right? There is, it has to get complex and simple at the same time. Right, right, right. Like, constantly there's always going to be rules. And you'll notice in all these languages, like, a lot of words are going to now, look and sound the same. That one, it almost, you, you might not have done enough research to dive in, but, like, so them readjusting, you said the type, basically, was what they changed? When they redid like the language, what was uh, it? You had orthographic like a... re- orthographic reform. So orthographic reform. Just yeah. like here are the hard rules of how the language is going to. Oh, work. so it, okay, literally rules. Yeah. yeah, that's so interesting. I love that. It's concept. basically adding like here's the proper syntax, and everyone's going to know this is the proper right. Syntax. And, and it's just so weird. We're like, I don't think there's a, an authoritative body for English that could do that. Versus like, I know there Oxford. is. <laughs> maybe, yeah, yeah, no, maybe you're right. Yeah. Maybe it's just, there's no one that has tried, but like, it's so, it's so weird to me consider that I've never experienced it. But I just know like French has a governing body for its language mm-hmm. and like they approve words to go in. Like you can't just make up a French word. Like it has to get approved by right, this body. Right. And that's really interesting to me. I've always thought to like to have an organization over like keeping an eye on this to make sure it doesn't get it ahead. I think we need that because we get a, although I mean, it's it's funny how much of meme culture actually turns into like actual uh, words within our dictionary now. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's a beautiful blend. I think uh, it's always oh, moving. A fun one was uh, truthiness. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? 
That was the first episode of Stephen Colbert. He like did a pitch on this word called truthiness, truthiness. <laughs> and it made it into the dictionary. Nice. Which I just think is phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, it's just a it's a shallow recognition, really. It, it really is, but at yeah. the same time, that is now an official word you know recognized that, in the English language. I'm sorry, that is the perfect example of how the dictionary ads, they make a big announcement of that every year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that is totally the equivalent thing for English, that I'm just like, that I was not associating. So we do have it. <laughs> we did it. <laughs> You're right, Mike, it is Oxford. <laughs> <laughs> did it. And that is Edric's etymology on onomatology. Woo! <laughs> I would no, I'm not going to say great job, Edric. Uh, oh. Mike, you did good. <laughs> yeah. You did great. <laughs> All right. Uh, we have a bat just just been sitting in the corner kind of menacingly. I, I don't fuck with Bruno. I'm doing, if he takes a seat, he can take a seat. I'll go get the mail. Okay? Just, you just hang out, man. All right. Let me see if I can negotiate with Bruno here. If he'll let me. <laughs> come here, everybody. Okay. Oh. Okay. Okay. Ooh, oh, Mike, this is a good one. Okay, Bruno, Jesus. Um, <laughs> Paul from Montreal chimed in because, I mean, we did get the call. We needed some French help. Yeah. Oh, perfect. Yeah, kind of. So, Uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> well, I mean, ultimately what we were reaching for was not French. Uh, <laughs> no. But Paul has done some pretty great work. So this was Lie Adroit. Uh, oh, the wine? Nope. Um, the thing that Irulan was supposed to do. Okay, gotcha. What is wine? I'm, I'm a little toasty, Derek. I'm not going to lie. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, I don't think there is any association. Oh, no. <laughs> but you remember uh, Caius Helen, or no, Sightail thought to himself, like, oh, she's been ready with the lie adroit to, like, handle this situation. Okay, yeah. Talking about, like, Was well, it lie adroit or lie adroit? Oh, I might be. Uh, no, let Paul tell me. <laughs> let me. Let me I'm, I'm not even going to throw this to you. <laughs> okay. Anyway, Mike, uh, Bruno, Bruno. Um, <laughs> basically, we were going over lie adroit and trying to figure out, like, adroit was French. We looked it up, uh, and I am brutalizing it as I say it now. I do have the right thing here. Uh, and we were like, lie. Is lie a French word, too? Or was I stretching for it? No, I think she just means deceit here. But uh, Paul has chimed in, and he gave me this first. How to say it. Number one. Mike. A Oh, it is a doigt. A doigt. Skillfully direct. Or skillful. Direct. Uh, correct to the point of perfection. It's antidem. Ooh. Oh, he didn't give me the pronunciation, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it'd be maladroit. Oh, ooh. I was going to say maladroit. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. Uh, and that means clumsy. Oh. So you have like correct to the point of perfection or clumsy, but uh, a doigt. So the lie a That's doigt. like such an interesting uh, juxtaposition. Now, bonus French, Mike. Oh. I said Paul. He went to, he went to the nines here. The word lie pronounced li uh, could mean scum. Oh, oh. And then he, uh, this is, I'll, I'll read it, Paul. You put it in here. It's going to be painful, though. Sequir y de la pluf mauvais. That sounded sexy. I don't know. It's in there. Uh, <laughs> it's just got some things in there in uh, French here. I can't do it. But basically, uh, one of them is "ces criminels sont la I don't know what you're saying. And I think that these these criminals are the scum of the earth. Oh, I'm just sort of mumbling through it. You got the <laughs> "lee" though. Uh, but I just love that. Like, yeah, there is a French word. It's not close enough to what we mean. It'd be like the skillful uh, scum is what uh, you're allowed to bring into the table. Um, he's got one other thing here, though. Uh, Lee can also refer to the sediment at the bottom of a bottle of wine. Oh. 
Um, no link to the usage in chapter one, but y'all do enjoy your wine, so I tossed that one in for funnies. So it's Liadra, uh, not Liadra? Liadra? Okay, perfect. Yeah. Liadra? Right. If, if you were going to do that. But again, it is lie because that's uh, what the thing is. Now, all this to, to get to the point, Mike, it's more French for French sakes, but I got to earn my keep around here. Oh, Hell no. yeah, Paul. You've earned it. Uh, keep up the good work. Love the podcast. And uh, he's on his way to reread Messiah. So, huzzah. Hey. And then uh, Sightail's awesome. Uh, but are you sure it doesn't pronounce Skytail? No, I fucking did so much research on that one. Or, no, I'm going to no, <laughs> line in the sand, Paul. It's fucking Sightail. PPS. Just messing with you. Oh, my. <laughs> and last one. Are you fucking? Oh. PPPS. Uh, so that'd be post, post, postscript. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, Mike, you're going to be blown away when Paul's loyal somebody gives him that weird someone. And oh then that something, something happens, which leads to that insane twist that not even prescience can predict. Oh, I got to say. Please don't send these types of emails. Th- that whole something was something else, man. <laughs> Damn Paul, thank you. I'm glad to have somebody in my corner every now and then. I hate it. <laughs> I've lost all support with Rome, but at least people still help me fuck with you, Mike. <laughs> That's all I need some days. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Paul. Bruno, why don't you just have a seat? I'm not, no, you can stay. Normally, yeah, we, we kick Giovanni out. You can stay. Uh I think I does it for the week, then. Does anyone have a question for us? Do you guys perhaps know a wine we could afford? We're at Spice World Pod on Instagram and Twitter. And you can always send it to distrans at spiceworldpod at gmail.com. And, of course, there's our website at spiceworldpod.com. And if you're looking for a way to support the show, come join us over at our little sketch at patreon.com slash spiceworldpod. That's where you can find our exclusive Between Two Dunes episodes. Things like Ampoleros, The Ladies of House Carino, A Trip to Gamont, and several more. Oh, hey, I mean, Mike, we're sitting down to record one today. That's true. How Moadib got his name. A folklore tale. Oh. Since you got into folk etymology, like, yeah. I'm not going to be done up by you today. <laughs> <laughs> Brought my own folk to the table. All right, all right. Um, Derek. Yeah. You know I gotta know about the next one. Of course. Little snippet, little teaser. You have any any thoughts of where we are going? Okay, well we we met the lieutenant sort of like in theme of the first book. Uh, I guess we had a couple chapters doing that. So, me, well, though there's only half the chapters in this book. So, what happened afterwards? We talked to Daddy Leto. We took a trip. So maybe we're going somewhere. Okay, I like it. Let's see. All right. <clears throat> this is not the time or place for your sister's levity, Irulan said. Paul ignored her. <laughs> <laughs> Nodded to Corba. The square is full of pilgrims. Go out and lead their prayer. But they expect you, my lord, Corba said. Put on your turban, Paul said. They'll never know at this distance. Oh my god. That is my quote. Wow. So, is this like a war? It's not even a war council. It's just like a like yeah, staff oh, no, meeting? Yeah, no, it's a council. You totally touched it. That's what I wanted to kind of capture. I chose a line that like tried to mention as many people as right, possible. Like, sure, sure. These are some big players in the room. Uh, Irlan, I, 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 Paul, was, I was and reaching Corva. for Aaliyah. And Aaliyah, yeah. Your yeah, sister's yeah. levity. I was like, oh, I can't think of her name. But yeah. But those oh, are yeah. like, oh my God, this is our first Aaliyah all grown up. Mm-hmm. And think of like how we've already said Corba, you know, is the traitor. Yeah. Irlan, you know, is a traitor. He's in charge of the keys rod, right? Yep. 
He's our religious. He's the panegyrist is how Bronzo of Ix described him. Who told us. So Bronzo is highlighting like, this is the plot you need to watch. Erolons is the red herring. Gotcha. Gotcha. But like, why are we following Sightail then? So I don't don't think he really gave Sightail enough credit. Or maybe he doesn't know if Sightail gets away with anything in the end. Maybe Sightail's just that great. Oh my. Oh my. That's great. You think. What if the histories are what wrong? If that Bronzo history is so specific to a point where, like, we just forgot one key because ingredient. You, because you never knew. You could never know. Yeah. Oh, my oh, God. Oh, 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 Mike, we got to stop now. Oh, I've got shivers. <laughs> Until then, <laughs> the, the spice, spice must flow. Okay, rock. Okay, I thought you were sort of like iffy on it. Yeah. I, oh, you just don't love it as much as I do, kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, I, I fucking love it. I was gonna say I don't love it. Yeah, we're friends though. Like yeah. I, hang, I hang out with a rock. Rock's fine. Yeah. Like it's not my best man. I don't have but... anything against him. I just don't want to fuck him. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Mike, it's like you. That's how you. <laughs> Which I did listen to that uh, that cold ending uh, where I drunkenly say I make it to your bed, and I'm like that part sounds a little suggestive, and we didn't clarify it. I'm like I don't think we can without going into the. <laughs> Mike lives behind the shop. <laughs> yeah, like, it's like, that's just going to have to be how that lands. <laughs>